Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. Is that something that George McCaskey tells them to say? <laughs> Make sure you get you know, the collaboration word in there. <laughs> George used to seem so affable to me, and now he just seems like a grumpy old cocksucker. <laughs> yes, We're right. not going to talk about contracts. This is a private matter. <laughs> yeah, right, George. Come on. It's because you're paying them peanuts, and you don't want anybody to know. <laughs> I don't know why I made him sound like Alex Jones there. I'm sorry about <laughs> my impression was awful, but the point is, he like you know, Jim Harbaugh. We don't talk about that. Like, damn! Like, when did he become like 
like he's doing COVID stuff for the or COVID. I, <laughs> I was going to make a CIA joke. You get the point, but then the COVID's on my mind, I guess. So Yeah, COVID's on everybody's mind. Uh, we're done with COVID. It's time yeah. now to just pull the plug on everything, every man for himself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, all I can do is take the vaccines, the boosters. I even take vitamins. You know, the zinc and the vitamin D3 and C that's it's recommended because a lot of people that, you know, get sick from it have D deficiencies. Mm -hmm. That's all I can do, man. Like, I have to live. Like, I don't want to sound like a Republican. <laughs> but I've got to be able to go to movies and, and shows and games. Yeah, it's and got shit. to I, Did you see Bill Maher on, on Friday night? I did. I honestly, I was at work. I shouldn't say this. Uh, I was at nine one one, and I fell asleep watching him. The first show I thought was really good. The one you didn't like. Yeah. The second one I fucking fell asleep on. I was a little bit bored. Yeah. He's he's getting old, man. But he did raise an interesting point. He says maybe it's time now to just do targeted, uh, 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 a targeted approach towards helping people fight the vaccine, or excuse me, COVID. You know, and that is helping senior citizens, the, the people who are much more susceptible to getting it and having a hard time with it and maybe it, it even being fatal. Maybe we just focus on them because these new variants now are not as as terrible. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to take my medical advice from Bill Maher, but it, it did raise some interesting approaches that perhaps the government should consider because, uh, yeah, this is this is getting kind of weird now. Uh, I. I was trying to say clandestine a minute ago, but I said COVID. So I'll be clandestine with my question for you because I don't want to embarrass you. Okay. Uh, so there's a certain person that's close to you. I don't want to disclose anything out of out of school, mm -hmm. so to speak, that was suffering from COVID. How's that individual doing? That individual is my mom, and uh, she's doing much better. Uh, she's uh, recovering in terms of getting her strength back and so forth. She's got a lot of other issues to deal with. But the hospital is, is set to release her and she'll be going to rehab to try to get her strength back. My mom is about 83 or 84 years old, so it has not been an easy time for us and the family. But thank you for asking. And uh, no, for and, real, I care, man. Yeah, I know you do. I appreciate that. And and so many other people, uh, every, anytime I bring up my mom, uh, lots of uh, uh, well wishes and stuff. And so I, I appreciate that from everyone. I hope that your mom didn't watch that press conference. <laughs> she may have said, fuck it, I'm going back to the hospital. That's, that's right. What else can I do with my life? I think I should bring back that bit we used to do on 100 Proof. Uh, what was it called? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Aldo, oh, yeah, that shit was funny. The things Aldo's mom would say. Yeah, then, yeah, I love that. She'd come on and say, fuck Ryan Bays. Yeah, that shit was funny, man. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Don. Is she a Bears fan? Uh, she watches casually. And so, you know, um, it, it's funny cause we had to call an ambulance to take her. And so she was wearing her bear's hat when she was loaded into the, into that's the, great. Yeah. <laughs> and so the paramedics were all saying, Oh, you're a bears fan. We got to take extra care of her. You know, <laughs> one, one guy even called her Virginia. Hey, uh, let's help. Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is cool. <laughs> So, man, we got a lot to cover tonight. I mean, there's the Brian Flores stuff that broke. I don't even know how much we should get into that, but I guess we got to talk about it a little bit. The big Tom Brady news, the, uh, of course, the press conference, which you've already made mention of because we've got Matt and Ryan collaborating again. Oh, my and God. And they want to know about the whys. Yes, and they want to know about oh. the whys. 
So I got to ask you, and, and by the way, uh, Johnny Santucci will join us in about an hour and 10 minutes and so forth. He'll also be joined by Aaron Machowski, who is a longtime friend of the bar room. Fuck and- those guys. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Aaron used to do a show with Tucci here at the bar room network called I Have a Stream. So I was talk- on that show. That's right. You were a regular, and, indeed. And uh, there was a fourth person, right? Uh, Wasn't it Joe Mandel? Joe, Joe Mandel, and then uh, Tooch, who, who was the, wasn't there a woman in there? No, nah, she was just a, a random lady that would come on and berate me. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have my, my, uh, my sultry neighbor, Shay. Ah, that's from, right. From the beginning of the series before. That's uh, right. You always know. <laughs> need a sultry neighbor on a, on, a, on a podcast where you're talking movies. Um, anyway, uh, so... Let's start by talking about that press conference. I've been dying. You and I have not talked since that press conference. No, because I, I couldn't watch. I didn't watch it until about midnight last night because uh, I was at work and just busy and I'm sleeping when it was live. Mm-hmm. I watched all 90 minutes of it. But, yeah, I did not see it when you watched it. It was like 12 hours later. So. Yeah. What was your overall impression of, uh, first of all, let's start with general manager Ryan Poles. He's terrible at reading. <laughs> yes, he I'm not is. saying he can't read or I'm not being demeaning or condescending. I'm just saying he, you can tell when he's reading, he's not a performer. Like he's not good at just reading a copy. He, he could never be a news anchor, put it that way. No. Uh, oh, man, he's horrible at reading. I, I enjoyed his passion when he came on and he got choked up a little bit, thanking the individuals that helped him get to where he is now. That's mm-hmm. That's a good attribute, and that did not seem – like like Matt Nagy would do, like just trying to get a pat on the back. That seemed genuine. I, absolutely. I totally agree with you. So I like that. And he, it seems like, you know, he he knows how big the job is mm-hmm. and he feels like he's ready to do it. So, I mean, let's go. You know, I just I joked. I don't like to hear him say collaboration and the same thing for the coach uh, using the wise like Matt Nagy. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. It is it is important though that they are on the same page. They being Matt and Ryan, part two. Uh, th- that uh, Poles knows exactly what is necessary to make Eberflos's defense and offense work. They have to be on the same page. Unlike the terrible thing that Ryan Pace did towards the end of Ryan Pace's tenure, I started to get more and more upset with him when I started to think about what a coward he was, that he didn't tell John Fox he was going to draft Mitchell Trubisky because he didn't want to confront John Fox because Fox was going to fight for Deshaun Watson. and Fox was going to punch him in the face. <laughs> Fox was going to kick his ass. There's no doubt about it. That, talk about a curmudgeon, right? Um, yeah. So it, it's it's – how do you how do you do that? How do you how do you work with somebody and go behind their back and make major decisions like that? And so that's not going to happen anyway. So you could call it collaboration, you could call it getting along, you could call it synergy, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's necessary. It's necessary to build a football team. So that part was was good. What what you one think thing of, oh, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. No, go please, go ahead. One thing that he said that I loved, and I don't remember the quote. This is, you know, uh, a, a complete just like, oh, by the way, did you hear him say this just mm-hmm. in general? But from what I recall, he said something like, because they were talking about explosive plays mm-hmm. and explosiveness and quickness on offense and get in. I think it was, um, was it Haw? Somebody asked toward the end, well, 
how do you get points? Maybe it was Mark Potash. Somebody asked like about scoring points. That's been a problem here. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the general manager polls answered, he said like, well, that starts up front. Yes. Once we can get that offensive line, then you can, you know, so it seemed like, wow. So he's, I mean, he was a former lineman as we know. So he's cognizant of the fact that we have to, we have to protect our quarterback. So I, I heard that and immediately, even though it's a paraphrase, right? Not a quote. I thought, man, that's that's exciting. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. He knows that you build that team at the line of scrimmage. You build any team at the line of scrimmage. Although Joe, uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are throwing a little bit of a wrench into that narrative. I mean, they had yeah. a high draft pick and they had a choice between the – a gentleman that went to play with uh, was who was drafted by the Lions, uh, Penny Sewell. Everybody thought it was, he was going to go to Cincinnati to protect Joe Burrow's back, but instead they chose Jamar Chase, and here they are in the Super Bowl. They're still having problems with their offensive line, so they've destroyed that narrative a little bit. But uh, you know, we could dis dissect that for hours. I want to praise Burrow for we should have said this last week for overcoming those nine sacks against the Titans and winning. Yeah, how about that? How yeah, I mean, that's that? Jay Cutler tough right there. <laughs> you can it. say what you want about Cutler, but that dude was fucking tough yeah. and took a beating. Fucking I mean, that's the kind of beating that Cutler would take, nine, ten sacks a game, mm -hmm. and they still won. So I'll give Burrow so much credit for just being tough. Yep, indeed. But were you uh, concerned, and you and I talked about this very, very briefly before we went live, were you concerned at the lack of excitement when questions were asked about uh, Justin Fields, it was muted, yes. right? It was guarded. Yeah, I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't talk to you or anybody else about it, but I was trying to keep a couple of points in my head for when we went on tonight. Mm -hmm. And one of those bold points that I, you know, stored in my mind was to say, and it, I, it got alleviated a little bit when Fields took the mic at the end. Mm -hmm. And one of my points I thought, because I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, me neither. But one of the, one of the points that I thought, oh, man, it feels like they're not really endorsing him or it's a very like, Oh, maybe those trade rumors are true and we just can't admit it. You know? And I'm like, no one's coming out conclusively and unequivocally saying the way lovey would Rex is our quarterback. Like I wanted somebody to say that about fields yesterday, but then again, if, if that wasn't the case, then why was he at the presser? Right. So maybe it's a little bit me just overreacting but you're right when no one seemed to endorse him uh, publicly uh, at the press conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I almost got the impression that uh, they're giving them a year proof to us that you're an NFL starting quarterback in 2022. And, and then, and then we go, but if you, you know, turn the ball over, if we give you the weapons that you need and the offensive line that you need to succeed and you uh, continue to sputter or play unevenly and so forth, we're going to look at other options in 2023. It almost seemed that way now. Uh, and, and, and I don't blame that approach. Why put all your eggs in a basket if the basket was handed to you by Ryan Pace? You know, there's holes in that basket. We know, we know about Ryan Pace. So, you know, it's their team now and they can do it their way. Uh, I just hope that they do it the right way because I still believe in Justin Fields and I think that he can be an outstanding uh, talent. Uh, Toreen says, thoughts on Mike Florio complaining about Eberflus's suit jacket not being butt buttoned up during the press conference, LOL. Oh, fuck Mike me. Mike Florio can I suck did... my deep. <laughs> yeah, where's Greg Gabriel? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, he hates Mike Florio. Really but, does. you know, uh, 
there was a female reporter. I don't remember whom she represented or, or her name. So I'm sorry about that. I hadn't heard her voice before, mm -hmm. but she asked a question and she brought up the fact that, you know, Phil Emery inherited Jay Cutler. You know, of course he resigned him. Yep. And then, then there was Mitchell Trubisky Great and question. he's talking, talking about the different areas of quarterbacks that are kind of thrown on the other incoming general manager slash coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was the time that I thought that they could have stepped up to the mic and say, oh, we don't we don't view it that way at all. Mm -hmm. Justin's an incredible talent. We're excited about it. And it was still more of that same, like, yeah, we're not here to talk about the past. Yeah, it, it, that was strange. And, yes, that was a great question. And I was trying to figure out who that was. So I'll do a little more research on that because uh, it was a great question. Stephen Nagishi says, smart people know how to utilize the strength of an organization. Nagy sadly does not understand that, which is why I think he will never get another head coaching job ever. I think he will at the college level if he wants to go that route. Um, you know, he's definitely that rah-rah college uh, coach. So he's going to sit out a year. He's got he's got a, uh, probably another year of uh, Bears money coming in. Probably sit well, We won't know because George, you know. What is that about? Uh, Dan, do you, can you phantom why he doesn't want to disclose what's going on with the salary? I don't kind of know. It's like he is – all right, I, I poke a lot at Republicans, so I'm going to poke at Joe Biden now. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's Biden – you know, when he called that reporter from Fox News, he was like, that stupid son of a bitch or whatever. Mm -hmm. you, you saw that last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know how he's defensive whenever he's on Fox and, and uh, Bernie or, or Joe, mm -hmm. uh, and, and probably rightfully so. That's kind of the way George is like whenever the press is around or something. It's like he's on defense. I think he's been criticized so much for these bad press conferences that he just doesn't want to fuck up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, Eberflus reminds you of uh, Dan Campbell? Does d is there a similarity there between the Lions coach and the new Bears coach? He seemed a lot more studious to me than Dan Campbell, although obviously the Lions people uh, seem to really like him, and and I, he had balls and some play calls this year and probably deserved to win more games than they did. So I don't want to take any shots at him. When he first got hired, I thought, oh, this guy's going to get fired in two years just because of that press conference. Just mm -hmm. listen to him. Mm -hmm. So now, I didn't think Eberflus was over the top like he was cutting a wrestling promo. Mm -hmm. In fact, he seemed a little bit more studious and like analytical to me. Uh, but he did use a lot of cliches in, in place of substance. But I guess what is he going to say? The one thing I took away from it was that, you know, we're going to a 4-3. Mm -hmm. uh, which is fun to get back to that. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, that's Chicago Bears defense for the 4 3. So I, I'm, I'm kind of glad. I started to like the 3 4, but uh, I have no problems at all with the 4 3. Having Quinn and Mac, if they're on, on the roster, we'll see how big this change is going to be with the roster. But if they're on the roster, having those guys at the line of scrimmage with their hands in the dirt and just going forward and, and eating quarterbacks, that could be really, really huge and help in this kind of cover two shell defense that is primary with this coach. You need a pass rush. You need to generate it with four guys. And so uh, if, if Quinn and Mac are healthy and play super well, and we get some additional reinforcements for the middle of the line, you know, he had eight defensive linemen 
at Indianapolis Colts, and they did a very serious rotation because they wanted nobody tired on that defensive line. And Iberflus would have a loaf rating. They would look at the tape, and then they would say, okay, you loafed on that play. That's one point against you. Then they would add up all the points and and say, this this is how many plays we're going to take away from you next week because you're clearly not going 100% on every play. And that is exciting that we hopefully are going to see a team that's always, always playing hard. You're not going to see a guy, you know, running for 10 yards and then start to slow down. And all of a sudden the ball carrier is coming right at the place where the the defender could have been or a loose ball is laying there and nobody's picking up and so forth. Jesus, that it's, is it so It sounds important. like accountability, right? Oh, I like that word. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like if you keep fucking up, Eddie Jackson, you're going to get benched. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think was- I like the fact that he said, too, uh, that uh, beyond going to the 4-3, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. There was something else he said of substance uh, with the D. De- oh, I know what it was. He, um, he, he had the ability to not have such a big ego that he openly said that DC is going to call the plays, not me. I'm the coach. I love that. Yeah, it's the opposite of Matt Nagy, who just, you know, has this just complex of, I've got to do this, i got to do that, because I'm better than everybody. You know, and there are some head coaches who do it. Sean McVay calls the offensive plays for the Rams, and there's some other coaches that, that call plays, and they're very successful at it. But I just don't advise it for any rookie head coach. There's just no effing way you should do it. There's just you can become a better head coach if you don't do it. You can potentially be a better play caller if you do do it, but it's at the risk of the entire team playing well. And I love when Iberflu said that he can work with the quarterback and the offense and point out things that the defense is doing, tells, uh, uh, you know, uh, tendencies and so forth. And Justin Fields talked about it. That's going to help him be a better quarterback because he's now got that uh, the head coach's defensive eye set, giving him some pointers as to what the defense might be doing. So that is huge news. You know, the more we're yeah. talking about it, the more excited I get about the possibilities. Going back to the point of calling the plays, if I don't know if you recall or not, but Lovey tried that in 2009 mm-hmm. where he was calling the defense because obviously Lovey's, Lovey's got defensive background. That's what he did well uh, with the Rams, and that's what got him a job um, with the Bears ultimately. But the Bears' defense really struggled in 09 when Lovey was doing that, and that led to us getting Rod Marinelli. Mm-hmm. So I think that if Lovey can't really do that, then, I mean, is Matt Eberflus going to be able to do it? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, so I, I like the fact that he's going to give that responsibility to a new defensive coordinator. I really like that that idea. And this is petty, but I thought that both guys, is, their voices won't annoy me to the point where every time I heard Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy talk, like I just like, God, I hate their voices. Like if they were a radio show, there's no fucking way I would listen to those guys. <laughs> I'm with you, man. It got really, really annoying. Now, having said that, I really do hope that the bears make some changes in their communications department or maybe not replace people, but at least get people up to speed on trying to coach these people to do a better job when they're holding press conferences. You mentioned before Ryan Poe's reading and it felt, you know, a little stilted and so forth. 
rehearse once, give him bullet points, tell him, talk from the heart, hear the, the bullet points. You don't need to be to read this. You're going to thank people who, who you've, you've adored for your entire life, who have helped you in your career. You can wing this. Just go out there and be confident. Yes, he was a little nervous and so forth. That's why rehearsals help. I've coached CEOs and top people in industry on this stuff. You get them to talk about something that they're passionate about, like I'm doing right now, and they will go out there and do very, very well. You give them something to read, and we get what we got with Ryan Poles, which which was an awkward start to his press conference, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, it's okay to just be able to speak from the heart, but uh, we know one thing is true, and, and I've got a station off here, unfortunately, that I'm going to have to go take care of real quick. Sure. But one of the things that we do know for sure is that George must have said, guys, when you go out there, you have to tell everybody that you like the process. You like Bill Polian, you like me, and you like Ted Phillips. I want you both to fucking say it. Don't forget it. Say it. What, what do I need you to say? Because they both said the same thing. Oh, the process was so great with uh, <laughs> Bill Polian and Ted Phillips and George. George was so great. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm surprised they didn't make Justin Fields say that. Like, I heard that the process was so great with Bill Polian and <laughs> Ted right. But hang on just one second. I'll be back hopefully real quick. I got to see what's up with this country station. You got it. You got it. Um, Art by Nike says, one year only for Justin Fields, no way. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying they're just going to give him one year. A lot depends on performance and what they see and so forth. But there is a possibility that they might look at him and say, yeah, you know what? maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe we need to look at other options. There's a possibility. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I have a lot of faith that Justin Fields is going to be better than okay. He's got a chance to be great. So hopefully the coaching will be there. We've got a lot to talk about uh, Luke Getze because he's going to be the primary tutor, mentor, uh, professor for Justin Fields. And so that's uh, going to be important. I also want to let people know that we're going to have another Bears show tomorrow night at Wednesday. It's called Bear Special. It's an idea that I've been uh, playing around with, uh, really wanted to do a show called BSing, where I just go on and talk to different people about different topics and so forth. But we had an open day tomorrow, and I said, you know, it might be kind of cool to have some people on. So we're going to have Tentatively, I, I've got, been given uh, uh, a confirmation that uh, uh, J.J. Stankovitz will be with us and uh, Patrick Finley will be with us among a number of other people. So it should be a fun show tomorrow. We'll be talking to a couple of people who are down at the Senior Bowl. So that's at 8 p.m. Central tomorrow. I hope you can join us either live or check it out on demand afterwards. Dan, are you back? Okay. Um, so uh, so there's that. Uh Dark Vader says Bears will win the North next season. Dark, I, I love the way you're thinking there. And one of the things that you're going to hear in the media clips was the national media kind of criticizing Ryan Poles for saying that. And I'm like, well, well, why? I mean, why? Why would you? Why would you criticize the GM for saying? You know, we're going to get this done. We're going to win the North and we're not going to give it back. I thought that was probably one of the highlights of the press conference, why anybody would criticize that. And it's people like Jeff Saturday. You'll hear this again in the, you'll hear it and see it. I got the video clip. Jeff Saturday saying, why, why are you giving them bulletin board material? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? It's 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 late January when he said that. You think that these players are going to be thinking, "Oh, you well, you're going to win the North." You think they're going to remember that in September, October, November, December? No way! Come on, he set a vision. He set a goal, and that goal was not just for one championships, but 
multiple championships. It's back to the Mike Ditka years when we were winning the NFC North Central at the time, year after year after year. Mike Ditka said it best. In order to get to the playoffs, you've got to dominate your division. And that's what they did. Six wins every year against the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers. That's the way it was done. And then Lovey Smith had some success with dominating the the division uh, for a few years. So uh, I have no problem at all, but I've included that in the media bite so that you can uh, see what uh, what their rationale is behind that. And then hopefully we can uh, get your comments on the other side. Amy and Bethany McDonald says, if Fields stinks up the joint like he did last year, he won't be in the league much longer. Hashtag Josh Rosen. So clearly, Mr. McDonald, Mr. and Mrs. McDonald, the Mrs. McDonald's, I don't know who Amy and Bethany is. Is that a man or a guy or a girl? Um, But uh, not uh, big uh, Justin Fields fans. And I've been hearing a lot of that. Uh, I did a show this morning with with Mike North, and we all know now. If you don't know by now, Mike North is not a big Justin Fields fan. He wants to see improvement. In fact, Mike North is notorious for a leveling criticism at Jay Cutler. He hates his guts and so forth. So I just wanted to test the waters, thinking he would answer Justin Fields, but I asked him, Jay Cutler or Justin Fields, if you had to choose between the two. And he chose uh, Jay Cutler. I'm like, come on, dude. How can you say that after you blasted him for nine years? So uh, I'm not in agreement with my with my buddy Mike North there. Uh, so uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I, I think that, by the middle of this upcoming season, I want to be able to have Mike on a show and say, okay, you were wrong. Go ahead. Admit it. P- apologize. <laughs> Mike actually brought a list of the times that he was wrong and, and we had to cut him short because he's been wrong so many times. <laughs> um, my room network. Oh, this is Tooch. Fields had Matt Nagy as a head coach calling the place. Come on. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Tooch. That is so huge. And you're going to, on one of the media clips, um, it, it kind of comes in out of the blue. It's Anthony Heron, a uh, former football player, played with the Bears for a while. He's, o- he's over at WSCR now, and uh, he talks about how play calling really ruined uh, Justin Fields, but also really put a burden on the offensive line. And we've been talking about this uh, over the last uh, few weeks, um, few months, really, uh, on, on the Barroom Network. Matt Nagy just was not helping the offensive line at all with his play calling. You know, when you're asking your quarterbacks, I mean, Dan and I were at Cleveland, and and we could immediately tell that Matt Nagy was screwing this kid up by not having anybody come in and chip block, by not relying on the run game, and doing all sorts of things to just not only mess up Justin Fields, but to really, really put a huge burden on the offensive line. And that just didn't make any sense at all. And so uh, it's it's going to be uh, interesting to see Luke Getze call the plays, come up with, with the concepts first, uh, and then call the plays. And hopefully that's going to help Justin a lot. Mick, Mr. Mack for the win. I have big hopes for Justin Fields. I believe his upside is better than TFG. Who's TFG? Tucci, you know who TFG is? Let me bring you in here. No, you don't know, huh? No, the friendly yeah. giants. <laughs> <laughs> the, friendly the, Casper, the, the friendly ghosts. Casper, the friendly ghosts. I don't want to fall too far behind. Maybe I should run. What's his name? Will get angry at me if I start running the media stuff without him because he loves to listen to this. I've been doing them the last few weeks, and I always told uh, Dan, you know, 
try to keep it down to under 15 minutes. Today's is going to be 30 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, so uh, let me do that. Let me uh, let me roll the media uh, highlights. And that way, on the other end, uh, we can have Dan back. And we'll also then uh, shortly thereafter bring Tooch and Aaron in. And we'll talk more football and some of the other latest news with uh, about Tom Brady and, and, and uh, Mike Flores and all that stuff. So here it comes. Uh, this is a compilation of what the uh, local and national media have been saying about the press conference and also some some comments about Jim Harbaugh, uh, some comments about, um, well, just about anything that pertains to the Chicago Bears and has some uh, direct or indirect impact on the Chicago Bears. It's 30 minutes long, so I'm going to roll that now, and uh, we'll have uh, Dan back by the time we uh, this is done. What was your What was your number one takeaway? We've seen this act before we've seen this kind of process where are you at with it well i think i think you learned immediately that the new general manager ryan poles is going to begin with this focus on the offensive line and for uh people out there who have been uh clamoring for moves on the offensive line for a couple years uh that stands to be potentially good news i think before Obviously, before they dig in on that, they've got to get a really good feel for what they currently have on the roster. But uh, it sounds like they will prioritize uh, linemen ahead of skill position targets, uh, and they're in need of both uh, for, for Justin Fields. When you heard Matt Eberflus talk, Brad, did you come away being more impressed or concerned? Did the pros outweigh the cons, or what kind of head coach do you expect him to be? You know, I think it's interesting that he's not going to be calling defensive plays. I, th- I think that could be uh, maybe the best approach for him, right, to to kind of be the overseer uh, of everything. He certainly needs to have involvement uh, on an offense that uh, has huge gains to make, right? The Bears don't need to get a little bit better on offense. They need to get a lot of bit better on offense, right? And uh, so I, th- I thought that was interesting. You know, he was using a lot of acronyms and stuff, and uh, I'm not sure um, how that kind of stuff necessarily resonates with the players, uh, but he- he's going to expect them to play very hard. He's going to expect them to be physical, and he's, he's also going to expect them to be really smart. You know, he talked about a goal of being – uh, I believe what he said was in the top five in the league for, for penalties uh, every season. And that's an ambitious goal and, and one that they should. Uh, and never give it back. Why are you laughing like that? My man is high. Oh, my <laughs> word. Just jumped out day one. We're going to take the north and never give it back. Uh, listen, you know, this kind of this reminds me of my first time starting in the NFL. I chopped Brian Cox down on a cut block, and I got up talking trash. And I remember one of my teammates going, hey, man, don't piss him off. I got to block him. It falls in that category. Like, let's not upset everybody in day one. Let's just kind of slide in there. Let's make some adjustments. Let's try to get better 
each and every week. And then let's talk. Since it's been since 1988, since we own the North or whatever that looks like. Yeah. So let's just wait and just kind of bide our time. Let's not just make bold statements that make everybody else's board uh, day one. Dominique, if you're a player on that team, uh, you're, you're take Justin Fields out of it. Well, it's even put Justin Fields in it. Yeah. And, and you hear the new guy in charge says, we're going to take the North and we're not going to give it back. Do you love it or do you look at him funny? I mean, I think it, I look at him funny if I don't know him yet. But that's the same way you kind of feel about all that <laughs> foolishness that we heard up in uh, Detroit. But it seemed to have worked out some. Like, it seems like that team has embodied that philosophy. So, like, that's an attempt at kind of um, imposing some new culture of intensity and and commitment, I guess, but you got to do the work. So as long as he's in there doing the work, I'm fine with him talking all the crazy stuff he want to talk. But as soon as I take a hit and somebody yells in my ear, I thought you was going to take the North. Yeah. I'm coming to your office on Monday morning and you're going to have to feel what I felt. It, that's the thing. It, it, the yeah, difference I between mean, what Dan Campbell said in Detroit and this is Dan Campbell was like, we're going to be physical. We're going to do, we're going to be biting people's kneecaps yeah, and all that right. kind of stuff. That, that, that was, that's different than saying we're going to be the best team in this division. Exactly. We're going to own it. We're going to be way better right. than all the rest of you. Dan Campbell was setting an expectation for his guys. For effort. Th this guy is setting an expectation for the, 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 the results. That's right. Uh, yeah, which we haven't gotten to yet. It's the same principle, though, right? I mean, the press conference yeah. is for the fans and for the mm -hmm. people in the building, right? You want them fired up. Like, people are like, oh, well, what do you think of the new GM? The fact of the matter is nobody in Chicago knows anything about him, right? They know he came from the Chiefs. And, and you know, if you talk to people in the league, you hear good things about his, his uh, player evaluation ability, all that kind of stuff. But you don't know what to think of the new GM. And now, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, what do you think? Of new? Oh, we're fired up. We're going to own the North. Like, that's what it's for. So I don't think it, it doesn't really bleed into on-field no. performance eight months from I now, think, right? Like, yeah. no one's going to come after them because the GM said Well, then let me ask you a separate question then. Let me I'm okay with him reading off a script to a degree. It was prepared. He put time and energy into that with his staff. Fine. The... We're going to take the North, never give it back. Like, that's a Game of Thrones reference to me. Oh, right. Like, that's something I've heard okay. before. Yeah, we are the North, right? Like, it's, it's something that I feel like he's 36 years old. Like, he's going to look at it a did little bit Did they say that in Game of Thrones? We're going to, I'm going to, did any character no, say we're going to take the North and not give it back? It just reminds me of okay. Never seen it, don't even know what it is. I've, oh, seen, I know. I've, I've seen, seen it. I've seen a ton seen it, of yeah. it. And, like, we it was are good the North. until like, the last couple seasons. That's all they yeah. talked about. Yeah. Right? So, like, for me, like, I'm okay with that. Now you just have to go out and, regardless of what any GM says, Ryan Dable could be up here saying all the right things or not saying anything. They lose or they make the wrong decisions. You're not going to like Brian Dable. Like, same thing with Ryan Poles. Like, Ebert Lucy's your guy? Fine. Like, let's see the let's see the progress with Justin Fields. Let's see how the team continues to grow, and the proof is in the putting on the field. You, hey, Jay Key wrote I, I, I for both teams. Go ahead, Key. I was going to say, I don't need my general manager speaking for the head coach about the product that's going to be on the field. Mm -hmm. I need him to speak about the product he's putting on the field or the product he's giving the head coach so that the head coach can be successful. I don't need him telling me anything about winning the North because guess what? It's my ass when I don't win the North and you know I don't else? own the North. You know what? Yeah. It's like, just do the job. You got work ahead. Yeah, he is going to do yeah. the job. Are you sure? It, 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 what do you mean, I, I am I sure? To, I need him to just do his job and I need him to get so players for the head coach. And I need the head coach to produce. And that's all. I don't need his press conference to sound like, first of all, yes, he can read from a newspaper. I mean, from a, a, a piece of paper. No question about it. It sounds scripted to me. And when it sounds scripted, I can't believe in it. 
It just doesn't doesn't tickle my fanny, so to speak. And so I'm sure other Chicago Bear diehard fans probably feel the same way, saying to themselves, uh-oh, what have we gotten ourselves into? He's a football. They got another garden variety coachy coach. And they can win. But there's a reason why he got the job. And it's a word that you heard Mully and Haw use over and over and over again. George loved the discipline pitch. And it isn't just, you know, right place, right time. Or when I say be in a meeting, it means five minutes early. Otherwise, you're late and some of that stuff. Apparently, George, like a lot of us, was fed up with stupid penalties, with unsportsmanlike conduct, with taunting, with after-the-whistle stuff, with behavioral penalties that went unpunished. And this goes back a while. This gets back to Anthony Miller and Javon Wims and this year with Angelo Blackson and the, the Steelers game and so many what, what were viewed as avoidable penalties. And right or wrong, that is, that is a particular pet peeve of George McCaskey, the idea that the, the Bears players were somehow out of control or not understanding the moment or thinking of themselves more than they were what had to be done for the team. And, okay, because we can take that. The, the, the thing about discipline is you can take that and, and say, well, that has to do with every day when you show up of being prepared. It sounds great, and I know that it's a good pitch because everybody wants to think of their team as disciplined. Nobody wants to say, well, we're just a bunch of wild men out there unless you're, you know, the, the Jimmy Johnson's Miami teams or something like that that takes pride and maybe some of the Al Davis Raiders teams that were like that. But these are different times. The game's officiated very differently. And what it does is it fits very, very neatly in a classic sports trope of the pendulum swinging back that Matt Nagy was – more of a an affable younger players coach, and apparently that George McCaskey and others want to swing back in the other direction of, of the offensive system that Matt Nagy was bringing there. This should allow the Bears to be able to cover up for some of the frailties in the offensive line, like Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. Neither one of them was as awful as what I think a lot of folks were were beginning to sort of perceive them as, but. There are ways that between competent quarterback play and perhaps even above average quarterback play, but then also just in the play calling. And one of the things you've heard me repeatedly over years that Matt Nagy was here as Bears coach remind folks of is that play calling can take pressure off your offensive line physically because you, you can move the launch point. You can have balance to, to run and pass in your play calling. And that can take some of the physical pressure off of the offensive line because that defensive front isn't just teeing off on a stationary launch point over and over again with a drop-back approach to throwing the football, and then it can also take mental pressure off of the quarterback. You, you pressure quarterbacks and offensive lines in either of two ways, physically or mentally, and it was too frequent in Matt Nagy's time here that he allowed opponents to be able to do both because they could just tee off on frequent passing and a stationary launch point and really until this past season it didn't become a more consistent thing as he went back to Bill Lazor calling the plays that you, you did see pressure off of a young quarterback mentally, pressure off of an offensive line physically. So Sam Mustafer, if, you know, if James Daniels 
proves that he can really hold down center better, then yeah, I could see that being a move that the Bears make. But on the whole, I'm going to be more concerned with boning up the skill position talent. I'm going to be more concerned with you know what the Bears do in enhancing the overall offensive personnel. And again, like I was talking about earlier in the show, Luke Getze, first time calling plays in the National Football League. That That's a big deal. That's not something you go into with blinders on just assuming anything. About People it. believe that the job that is being tasked by the O.C., to get to develop Justin Fields and to call the plays, especially with our offensive struggles with the last head coach who wasn't good at calling plays, that people are scarred by that and people want a good play caller. Yeah, look, I, I will always believe that the number one most important job belongs to the general manager. I mean, he has to pick the right players because I don't care how good of a coach you are, if you aren't given good enough players there is a ceiling to how good your team is going to be. And one of the reasons why the Packers, and look, I thought Jerry Angelo was a pretty darn good GM. Um, But one of the reasons why the Packers have caught up uh, and taken over the lead in the, in the all time series is not just, although it is primarily the quarterback position. It's also that the Packers drafted really well for a period. And then they've had some down years, at the end of the Ted Thompson regime, and they had some down years when Mike Sherman held both roles, and that is when you start to struggle with your one-loss record when you don't have enough talent on your football team and your Hall of Fame quarterback isn't good enough to make up for those dearths of talent. By the way, uh, Jerry Angelo, I believe, drafted Cedric Benson the year that uh, Aaron Rodgers went much later in the first round. (laughs) He drafted some other really good players. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Jason, do you feel like, I, from where I'm sitting right now, it looks like your team's disintegrating, and I'm not so unhappy with it. Uh, you're losing all your coaches. Aaron lost in the NFC title game, or excuse me, in the uh, divisional matchup. Yeah, didn't even get there. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just assuming now he's going to go to Denver with Devontae Adams. And you guys are going to be... Maybe like, Tampa. Yeah, or, or there. But you guys are, you know, you're just going to be another team in the division. When it came to Getze, what set him apart from other candidates? Yeah, just his innovation, um, you know, in terms of what he's done um, as a coordinator in college and also what he's done as a position coach and then you know, elevating to passing game coordinator. Uh, he's just done a great job with that. And his ability to lead. He is, he is a leader, a leader of men. And he's going to do a great job on that offensive side. How do you teach getting takeaways? And I'll follow up with this. I, again, I covered Lovey Smith. We would see in practice guys are picking up the ball even when it's an incomplete pass. How do you go about teaching the importance of takeaways in practices and in and in the meeting rooms? Yeah, you're just fanatical about it. You never you never pass by a strip attempt. Um, we're always scooping all those balls and going ten yards. Uh, we are fanatical about punching the ball. And in turn, what's going to help is going to help our football team being able to protect the football. So that's, that's, that's a, you know, what, what we get from that, us taking it away, we get a team that really protects it well, too. Well, that's, that's good to know. And you're teaching it, and teaching it is really key, and drilling it for the guys is important. How did you come to uh, adopt the cover two as, like, your base defense? And – how have you seen it evolve, considering how many times we're seeing teams in 11 personnel? Yeah, so back in 2003, I put the defense in uh, by traveling to Indianapolis to see Coach Dungy 
and I would, you know, come up here uh, to see the Bears. Um, and what we did was we put that in uh, way back then. We were at Missouri, and our and our program took off uh, from there. And then what happened is is that then I, I go to the pro pro game, and now the game has evolved, and we run a little bit of that, but that's not our main coverage anymore. We we have different coverages, different coverage variations. Um, and the ability to play different types of shell defenses. Uh, so that, that's where it's kind of evolved to, and we've become a, more, a little bit more complex, but still simple in the rudiments of our game that we want to play fast, physical, and take the ball away. I've heard stories about you teaching players and, and trying to sit them down to understand what it is that you want to do philosophically. And all the reports that I've heard have been you're really good at breaking things down for players. How do you go about stressing to them the importance of things that you want done and getting them to not think versus them just reacting to what it is that you they're seeing on the field? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and really, it, it, it comes down to giving them a clear vision, a picture of what you want to have happen on the field, and just coaching them to that, and then also giving them the reason why and showing them why. Why would you ask me to run all the way across the field to to the ball coach? Well, it's because every player is stripping at it, and that ball could be yours if you just hustle. And I show them the examples. I have lots of it, lots of tape to show them, and it's really about winning. That's winning football, and that's what we do. Do you think the defensive coaches have the ability to reverse engineer offenses, meaning you see great offenses that you have to attack as a defensive coach, do you think that that gives you insight on how to build an offense? Absolutely. I absolutely do believe that, and that's a great way to, uh, to say it. Um, it's like a dual education that we're going to give the quarterback, and we're also going to um, be over in the offensive staff helping them you know, understand techniques and fundamentals of certain coverages and the tells that the defense gives things away at, and then how can we attack that offensively? And then how can we attack that, as, you know, in our quarterback play? So I'm excited about, you know, working, you know, with Luke and the offensive staff uh, to be able to do that um, this offseason leading up into the OTAs. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus joining us. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Speaking of Luke Getze, fast riser from what we've heard, bright guy. How long uh, have you had your eye on him and what drew you to Luke? Yeah, you know, you're in the league here, you know, 13, 14 years, you have your, your eye on a, a bunch of different things. You know, you look at scheme, you know, teams that are efficient, you know, teams that have a, a, a friendly quarterback offensive system, uh, you know, uh, football teams that can run the football effectively, not just straight downhill at you. Yeah, we're going to do that, but also creating new ways and innovative ways to run the football. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what Luke has brought to the table, um, even when he was in college. You know, I had some friends down there that were that were down there with him, and and they just said what an innovative coach and what a great person he was, even when he was in college calling calling the plays. So, um, I've been watching him for a while now, and uh, we've stayed in touch, and it's it's a great relationship that we've had, and I'm looking forward to building upon that. Coach, you inherited a three four team, and I assume you're going to an over under four three scheme here. Uh, how much of a difference is going to be for these guys, and will they be able to adjust? Yeah, what's what's really good is this is the third time I've done it. You know, I I, I did it. You know, when we were in Dallas, um, and you know, from twenty, you know, fourteen in that in that area, we did it. When we had Demarcus Ware, Anthony Spencer, and all those players, those great players, Sean Lee, Keith Brooking, and all and all those guys, we right. switched it over, and they they enjoyed it. They loved it because it was a 
It was the ability to get up the field and penetrate at the defensive line level, play downhill as linebackers, and it gave you the freedom to play and to have vision to play in the back end to get the takeaway. So they got the guys really love the system. It's 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 easy to teach, it's easy to, to play, and it's player friendly. And that's what we're excited about doing. So yeah, it's 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 good. And then we brought it to Indianapolis. We brought it to Indianapolis. We did the same thing. We had the, you know, I think it was 30 or 31st ranked defense, and brought them to a top 10 in the first year. Um, and we switched those players over. And again, same same response. They loved it. They're excited to play in it, and, and, it's, and it's player friendly. I just had your head coach on. I'll ask you the same question. When you turned on the tape of Justin Fields, what did you see? What I saw was potential to be a really good quarterback. Um, and we have to do our job to surround him with really good players and to surround him with protection. And like I mentioned in the press conference, this is the most important piece. Find out what he does well and do that a lot. And then the weaknesses we attack and get better at. I like, you know, going back to the general manager side of this too, is just having conversations with Ryan Poles actually after the press conference today. One of the things he brought up that I really liked was in Kansas City, if you wrote a scouting report that said a guy doesn't drop the football, Mm -hmm. and then they would go to their meetings, right? So the scouting reports are all done. They go to their meetings, and as a staff, they watch the tape on the guy. And all of a sudden, he's dropping footballs on the film. You would get called out for that. You say, oh, that's not what we're seeing right now on film. And then, But in a respectful way, you'd be called out you would be challenged about it, and then they would come to consensus as a group. And I just, you know, I had somebody tell me recently that I don't know that there was enough of that going on at House Hall the last, you know, four, five, six so years. So do we call that accountability, whether it's me saying to my starting center, dude, come on, man, what are we doing here? Or my scout, you told me this, that I'm not seeing that. Well, and, and I hate to bring everything back to Mitch Trubisky, but don't you think there would have been some of that? Had, they, had the whole process been a little bit more transparent that they had really – now, I know Ryan Pace said that there was all this conviction throughout the building, but, like, when you don't even involve the head coach in the thing, like, that's what I'd like to hear, though, if Ryan Poles is coming from a place where there is that accountability. It sounds like – but he kind of offered that up on his own. It didn't sound like, you know, some type of cliche thing that came up. So we'll see. Yeah, he's, he's had great mentors, right? Pioli, uh, Veach. Ballard and Chris Ballard, just knowing him a little bit, that is the kind of guy he is. He's going to tell you things that maybe you don't want to hear, right? But that's where Ryan Poles has to be the leader of that side of the building, right? Because big questions about the Bears' upper management. And Ryan Poles has to show them and create the atmosphere and the environment for winning football team because they haven't had one. Right? They haven't won a playoff game since George McCaskey became chairman of the Chicago Bears. And they've only won or been a three or four since Ted Phillips became president of the Chicago Bears. So Ryan Pose is the only executive there who knows what winning looks like. And the kind of culture you're talking about is what they need. But does he get everybody to buy in? Because like you're saying, I don't know if it was there. Do you think the Bears had bad culture under Matt Nagy? Because I don't. Like, they... It wasn't an issue for the most part of effort. There were times of discipline. Like I'll certainly grant there you, there was some effort and some. Yeah, there was there some, some effort some in there for sure. Yeah. I think there was a regression by a lot of guys who were drafted in in that era that never got better, only got worse, and it wasn't because of injuries or whatever. It was for simple things like the things that George McCaskey talked about, about touching the guy who's down. down a receiver. Like that's. That type of stuff. And also the takeaways, you know, like that's like largely an effort thing. It is. Um, And the same guys, same roster, and the takeaways just kept going away, you know.
And how, how about the decay of discipline and, and like desire to play by some people as well with Akeem Hicks and all that ugliness that kind of got revealed after the, after the season, Anthony Miller in the playoff game, you know, absolutely when that cannot happen. I mean, Mitch on his way out the door mentioned culture. I don't know how much, you know, you want to put in that, but he did say it. They got a long way to go. He didn't call him for a, for an exit interview. Like there, so you're right. Maybe there is more of it there. There didn't seem to be, maybe it was because he was the player's coach and he was by large part, like liked by most of the team. Like a lot of it didn't come out very publicly. I just, th- he was an offensive coach who didn't score points. So that's why he ultimately needed to go. Yes. But, but I do, th- I do think the culture was bad and I think they were embarrassed by the culture. I mean, cl- clearly they, they needed to change it. You know what I mean? So for one reason or another, I just, I think it's interesting that they seem to have gone so firm on Eberflus as the culture setter when I didn't think the culture was the biggest problem with Matt Nagy being here. Like, you know and I mean? Maybe I, not a bad culture, but certainly not a winning culture. Like it was fair. in 2018, but yeah. then it just devolved from that point. I, yeah. I think that's totally re- a lot of middle of the road cultures in the NFL that they're just not winning culture. Right. right. All day. Should the, the head coach of the Chicago bears be somebody who's trying to find that voice. Should this be a starter job for somebody that's neither here nor there. That's a debate for another time. He's the head coach of the bears. I just wonder how long that takes and how one learns to, to find footing that way. Yeah, it's, it's going to be part of his challenge. I mean, all those things that come with first time head coach from, I I think what you just described there is a very kind of, uh, I hesitate to say big picture, but it's something that's going to be important for every single day he's on the job. And then you have the more micro things like when do you call timeout? When do you throw the challenge flag? Um, things like that, overseeing the entire you know operation um, from where he's sitting. So those are all going to be new things for him and, and what he does with it. But you're right. You, know, you talk to people that played for him or coached with him, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. He was a linebacker. He coached linebackers. He coached defense. This is just kind of who he is. And then how does that relate to the rest of the football team. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of go back to this, Dan, that the guy wouldn't be at this place in his career if he wasn't able to relate to players. And it might be easier the way he is to relate to linebackers than it will be to relate to wide receivers or, um, you know, offensive linemen, whatever, just to, just based on the fact that he's been on that side of the ball. But that's where he's got to rely on Luke Getze and other people that come in. And, and then he's got to himself find his voice to be that leader for the team. Because I think... And, and you know this about me, Dan, because I've talked about this in this show. I really try to avoid getting into, like, the culture buzzword, right? Because to me, you're good, you're good. Like, if you're a good football team, then you, then you have a culture. If you're a bad football team, you have a bad culture. But I do think there's something to be said that the way he, you know, goes about his business is just a little different. And that the idea of him establishing an identity that this team hasn't had in the previous three regimes could mean something that can stretch throughout the entire football team, not just the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the town that Hoodie and I reside in are going to be really ticked off if Jim Harbaugh is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And I'd assume that would be why. That'd be because you think the Bears should have made a run at him, right? Yes. All right. Like, so, here's the one thing about Harbaugh that I would say, and I think it's an important piece for – Anybody who wants, who either wanted him to come or had designs on him coming, you—if you're going to hire Jim Harbaugh, you need to be all in on him. 
and you need to understand what you're getting into. And, I mean, look, his record is incredible. His record for four years in San Francisco on balance was incredible. Went to three NFC Championship games, went to a Super Bowl, came you know, a goal line stand away from, from winning it. Um, but, and I think you guys know this, he's a different dude. And so, you know, I think a huge part of it, you know, wherever, you know, he winds up going is going to be how the thing's built around him. And, you know, you have to be in a place where your organization can absorb something like that. And I don't know, you know, if the Bears were in that place. It'll be interesting because seeing the Vikings, if, if that's where he winds up, because um, they do have a veteran team that's, you know, not totally unlike um, the one he had in San Francisco. Um, you know, but that's what he is. And, you know, I, I think he, a big part of it, too, is if you're going to bring him in, and this is the other piece, is, um, you know, he's a little bit like Bill Parcells in that, like, he's going to come in, he's going to shake everything up, he'll probably get immediate results, and then within three or four years he'll warn everybody out and be gone. So um, I don't know if that's what the Bears were looking to sign up for, you know, but I think whoever does, and I'm not 100% convinced the Vikings are going to yet, um, you know, whoever does, that's what you're signing up for. You're signing up for short-term results, knowing, you know, that it's not going to be a 10 or a 15-year hire. Dave, three years ago, the Bengals are sitting there 2-14, and 14, wondering if they hired the right coach and certainly going nowhere. I, they draft Joe Burrow, and I think that's why, more than anything, they're in the Super Bowl. But it just reinforces the idea, yeah, you're not going to have Joe Burrow, I'm not comparing Justin Fields to him, but how far away is any team from competing for a playoff spot? Are In today's NFL, are you always maybe a season and a half away from being competitive? And are the Bears closer than maybe some people think? I think they are. I, I truly do. Uh, I think if they, you know, obviously Justin Fields is going to be a major part of that, but uh, I think the Bears can close the gap in a hurry and become a playoff team. I really do. And I, and I don't, I don't want to be a guy that's, jumping on here and, and putting any kind of pressure on the new GM or head coach. That's not what I'm saying. But I think they've got a good enough roster uh, that they can make strides, and they were close this year, and they were in the playoffs last year. So absolutely that can happen. I, I do think when people talk Cincinnati, though, and I'm a Joe Burrow fan from get-go. I love everything about that kid. But, boy, you look at their supporting cast and, you know, Joe Mixon is a Pro Bowl running back and Jamar Chase and Higgins. I mean, they they have uh, they've got some real stars on that offense that people, for whatever reason, uh, you know, some of these guys get lost in the shuffle because of of Joe Burrow. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think the Bears can close the gap in a hurry and be a contender. And and then you go from there. What What is your take, Dave, on Trace Armstrong playing a significant role in this? He is the uh, the representative, the, uh, the, the, uh, the agent for all of these guys, for God's sake, for, for the head coach, for the general manager, for the offensive coordinator. You just hire Trace, right? Make it easy on did, yourself. I did, mean, why? Did they try that? He's yeah. doing the job already. <laughs> no, I, I, ta- I told you guys, I talked to Trace about a month ago and, and uh, uh, you know, when all this speculation started. And Trace got so much going. He's had such a fabulous year. I mean, we're talking here, but even with the college coaches that he represents, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, he's, he's very happy doing what he's doing. Uh, he can fade that to me. Uh, you know, down there in Gainesville with his family and his kids. So 
he, he's, he can get as much of this as he wants without having to be here seven days a week, 14 hours a day. Think about it. He's, he's got his hand in it right now because of it, you know, because of the situation with Ryan and Matt. So Trace is involved, whether people like it or not, he's here. <laughs>Hey, let me ask you a question now, though, because obviously I was busy rectifying the garbage, the, the fucking mess I had in the other room. So I came back in the middle of that. Who was that? Because, again, I was only listening to audio that was talking about Jim Harbaugh saying this is what you get in the short term. Who who was saying that? Uh, Albert Breer. Man, I just disagree with that. We had Matt Nagy for four years. So what? Mm. If you bring Jim Harbaugh in and you win and he's gone in four years, then fuck, so what? But, uh, I, and I agree with you, I, I've vacillated back and forth. I want Harbaugh, I don't want Harbaugh, and so forth. But the issue is, he wants $100 million. That's probably what he's going to get with the Vikings, a 10-year, $100 million contract, just like John Gruden get. So you're really going to be paying $100 million for four or five years because it's a totally guaranteed contract. Do you think that's worth it? I do. And yeah. what are we going to do as Bear fans when we see Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator mm-hmm. in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I, I, the only thing, I, maybe I could be wrong, and maybe I'm guilty of not giving Kirk Cousins enough credit, because statistically he deserves a lot, maybe a pat on the back more so than what I've given him. He's won a playoff game up there on the road too, but I think, especially given the cap number. I think we're better off with Fields than they are with Cousins. Mm-hmm. But and I hope that we got it right because so far so good on our coach. I mean, I I I like the fact that he wants us to do the peanut punch and and hustle all these things after Lovey that's happened, like the play with Green Bay in 2013 when the ball was on the ground and one of the Packers picked it up and scored a touchdown when four Bears were standing there. Like we won't have that problem anymore in theory. Right. I like going back to the 4-3, but I hate Jim Harbaugh going to Minnesota. I hope it doesn't happen. I'm forgetting who it was that said this on one of the shows on ESPN tonight. Oh, it was Mike Wilbon on Pardon the Interruption. He said, I guarantee you that the Bears had talks with Jim Harbaugh. They had feelers out, whether it was with Jim or his agent, they had feelers out and they quickly realized this isn't going to work because of what he wants and uh, we're not prepared to pay $100 million. So I don't know if that's true. And he said it was just speculation on his part. But I, I, if I, I had to guess, it would go back to the thing like we've talked about before where Michael McCaskey didn't like Mike Ditka's demeanor mm-hmm. and didn't like him being bigger than the fucking team yeah. and was jealous about that. I could see that the way George is behaving nowadays, I mean, he seems like Michael McCaskey. So and obviously that's his brother. Yes. So or was <laughs> his brother. So it's not like it's like too foreign of a thinker. So I wouldn't be surprised now if George is just like, oh, we don't want that kind of disposition here on, in, in the organization. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with him because Harbaugh is a, a miniature version of Ditka. That's, that's who we learned from. And you know, if he goes to Minnesota, they are going to be tough. Hopefully our guy is going to make us tough too. But you saw that in San Francisco, man, when, when they were there, they were fucking hitting. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that's, that's a great hire by the Vikings. And I'm, I'm, you know, they talk about penis envy. 
<laughs> I'm gonna be coach envy. If Harbaugh goes to Minnesota, I I am, and I will I will tell you this. I hate to say this. It's kind of like when McMahon was up there in '93 and they won the division, and of course McMahon beat us twice, both mm-hmm. times. Uh, when they went to the playoffs and we didn't, I was rooting for Minnesota because of McMahon. I I, I hate to say it, but if the Bears the Bears are number one, but if Harbaugh goes there, that'll probably be like. You know, if they make it farther than us or something, I would be rooting for Minnesota then because I do like Jim. I, I, from a from a, a drama and and theatrical standpoint, I hope Jim Harbaugh does go to Minnesota. Not we, me, because I want us to win. You know what? I, 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 my first wish is that I, 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 I wish he were to come to the Chicago Bears because I read Dan Pompey's article in the Athletic and he talked about why Harbaugh should have been called and why he should have been the coach former bear uh, uh disciplinarian uh, has you know a, a sterling record wherever he's coached it's gone to the super bowl i mean he made he he fucking wrote a great article dan pompey a pro football hall of fame writer so you would expect that from him very convincing and so i said yeah maybe they should have well i'll tell you what though if since it didn't happen i want to beat him now I, just like as much as I want to beat Aaron Rodgers. Now, there is one thing about Aaron Rodgers. I'm fucking fed up with him. I hope that he <laughs> Me too. and Tom Brady just get the fuck out of Dodge and we don't hear from them. I, they, they're not hired for commercials. There's just like a a, a, a United States embargo uh, <laughs> or moratorium on guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. God bless Tom Brady. He deserves the seven rings and so forth. But I'm tired of Tom Brady. I'm oh, tired I agree with you. But you know, Brady didn't do that many endorsements over the years when, when you compare it to like Peyton Manning, who was a, a whore. Peyton Manning would have endorsed Playtex. Is that is that that's a tampon, right? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> he would have definitely endorsed that if they had given him the money. He would have he would have endorsed butt plugs. <laughs> Tom Brady just kind of was here or there, you know, considering that he's Tom Brady, he could have done a lot more, I think. Oh, I'm picturing that commercial now. Hold on a second. I'm picturing that commercial now with Eli and Peyton. Hey, what is that, Peyton? Oh, it's my butt plug. (laughs) Cooper showed me. Cooper has one. Why don't you? Hey, uh, you know, a fun fact, though, Uh the first game in San Francisco uh, at their new stadium, of course, it's it's kind of like the Bears situation here. Mm-hmm. It's not in San Francisco. They're in uh, 30 miles away, kind of like Arlington Heights okay, uh, in Santa Clara. But the first game in that stadium, Jim Harbaugh coached the 49ers, and Jay Cutler led the Bears to a win in that stadium on Sunday night football. Look at that. Oh, man, I love your memory. I wish I could have it for a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, we were down. Mm-hmm. Like Cutler led a big comeback in that game. We were down maybe at least 10 or 14. Uh-huh. And he got sacked a bunch, of course, and came back to win uh, with his arm, too. And if you recall, the first game at the Colts Stadium, Lucas Oil Stadium, was in 08. Mm-hmm. And the Bears beat them on Sunday night in Matt Forte's first game as a Bear. Mm. I uh, In the media clips, you probably missed this one because it was early on while you were attending uh, to business. Dan Bernstein talked about why George McCaskey fell, probably fell in love with Matt Eberflus was because of the discipline he's going to bring into the, the team. Clearly, McCaskey was not happy with the lack of discipline on this team. Here's a, an incredible stat for you. Since 2018, the team that is 
most penalized for discipline type penalties like taunting, like oh pers- fuck, it's us. It, we're second behind Jacksonville. The Jacksonville. Who, yes. Who's a taunter on Jacksonville? That's I amazing. I don't know, but it also included uh, personal fouls and other, you know, discipline type uh, penalties. So yeah. So if you're losing, you're the team that makes those penalties, and exactly. and that's yeah. So we're losing, and Jacksonville had that one year they went to the title game mm-hmm. and went straight to shit the way we did after eighteen. Exactly. And so, you know, there is, there are uh, what, what it was called, uh, I think it was Kevin Fishbane that came up with the stat. Uh, I didn't include it in the media, but he said that those are, are, are wasted yards or in some cases wasted points when you, and we saw this over and over again, the, that m- the middle of this, of this 2021 season, the Bears just killed themselves with the pits against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the fucking penalties. I still that think that us. was a bullshit call, though. Yeah, I agree. Who was the name Especially when the defense is allowed for I have like twelve people. Some can someone can come off the bench and celebrate when there's a turnover. And this guy did do a stupid kick or whatever. I get it, but he didn't say a fucking word to anybody. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I don't want to talk about it tonight. But the taunting thing, we we have to revisit that because I just saw an NBA game the other day where a player was taunting Stephen Curry, and you know what happened? Stephen Curry burned the fuck out of him. He just took that He's player. He's a bad man. Yes. Took that player that was taunting him and took him to school and beat his fucking ass. Why can't we have that in the NFL? Why can't Steph we Curry have Steph Curry makes a 38-foot three-pointer look like a free throw. He does. He's, he's magnificent. Mike Jesus North thinks Christ. he's one of the top 10 NBA players of all time, and I was giving Mike shit about that. Oh, Mike, it's because you were a jump shooter when you played football, I mean basketball. That's why you love him so much. You know what? I think Mike is right. <laughs> Stephen Curry is a bad boy. Yeah, it's hard to argue against it. I mm-hmm. mean, and it's not like he hasn't won. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And hell, they're second in the West now. Yeah, I, I, I got a feeling they're going to win another one. Yeah, man. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Thompson's back too. So not that not that this is the Golden State Warriors show, but man, yeah, they're a scary team when they've got both of those guys back. Indeed. Um, the uh, other thing, a couple of other things I want to talk about: uh, accountability. I love when Adam Hogue said that when he interviewed uh, um, uh, Ryan Poles off you know, after the press conference that they talked about how they would look at tape. And if the scouting report said, this guy has great hands. And then if they would all sit down and watch the tape together, if the guy dropped some passes, Hey, wait a minute. That's not what was in the scouting report. You know, what's going on here? And it wasn't adversarial, but it was making the scouts accountable for their reports. You know how fucking huge that is. That is fucking huge to have that kind of, culture should i say it or environment work environment and so forth where you are double checking people's work not because you don't trust them but because you're relying on them to have excellent reports on players and if that fucker drops passes it should be in your scouting report it should not be because you were fucking you know taking a shit while you were watching tape on the player and you missed those key drops so i love the fact that what appears to be that we're going to have a general manager and a pro personnel and a, and a college scouting department that is going to be held accountable for all their mistakes. And by the way, I've got, oh man, I don't know if I should say this. I'll just say this. I have it from a reliable source. 
that people were really fucking upset. People meaning the people at Hallis Hall were really upset with Ryan Pace to the point where key people in the organization were referring to him as a fucking idiot. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not that, that I should be shocked, but I kind of am because I thought, you know, at the very least people thought, you know, he was a good dude and all, you know, so that, that shocked, that shocks me. Yeah. I was shocked too, because I thought, you know, that it was kind of a rosy picture, but I think things deteriorated so much in 2021 and it got uh, that uh, tension at Hallis Hall, that animosity that was going on at Hallis Hall got to George McCaskey early in the season, middle of the season. And that's when he started plotting, okay, we're going to have to make some moves here. Hey, do you think if, and and again, this is a hindsight question, but you remember heading into Thanksgiving, we had all that, that smoke about, you know, Matt Nagy is going to be fired after this lions game. Mm -hmm. And George had to, you know, go speak to the team. And they, they repudiated that report from that, that guy who's not a football reporter, whatever his name was. You know what I'm alluding to? Uh, can uh, you say that one more time? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Say that one. You more remember time. when that report came out that the Bears were going to fire Matt Nagy after Thanksgiving, and then George had yeah, to yeah, deny yeah. that. Okay. But for two days they let that go. Right. Do you think, in hindsight, given that we, if we believe that that's true, that the organization thought that Ryan Pace was an idiot, do you think, in hindsight, that Pace should have? spoken up and not George in that situation? Do you think maybe if Pace would have forcefully showed up on Monday when that report dropped and said, hey, this isn't true, do you think in hindsight that would have helped him as general manager? you think that George would have been like, we'd like the fact that he's, you know, he's coming out and denying this report or would it just not have mattered either way? Maybe he lost, maybe they lost respect for him when he just sat there hiding. I think that the... I, I think that's a great question. I can only speculate and think that by that time, Ryan had lost grips on the organization and knew that something was going on with upper management and that he and Matt Nagy were going to be uh, ousted at the end of the season or in the season. And he, he may have thought that the report is true, but now right. that it's out, you know, I, what, what can we do? So it was just a total, total pig fuck. You know what? My hope is that after 11 years of being CEO and chairman or chairman, uh, George McCaskey is finally starting to get it. As much as a curmudgeon and, a, and stupid for not answering questions about contracts and so forth, there was a little bit more uh, bravado in, in McCaskey. He kept saying, my decision. This is my decision. I made this decision and so forth. So I think that there might be hope for this guy. There might be hope. Hey, like you said, Dan, you you said it as soon as as soon as we heard that Nagy and Pace were fired. You were so fucking happy. Yes, yes, right. No, nothing else was bothering me, even though everyone <laughs> exactly. was like, "Oh, this press conference is so bad." I didn't care, right? and it wasn't even Pace. 
It was Nagy that I thought needed to go. Right. I, I, and George George McCaskey's mustache needs to go as well. <laughs> it does, right? He looks. And like, I'm so glad that Club Dub is gone. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye with Club Dub. Yeah, George McCaskey's mustache. He looks like a 1950s Western villain. You know, he, he's the guy that comes in. And he's trying to sell rifles to the Indians. Or so I don't know. Why. In 2022, he looks like the guy that would touch his granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it would be in a mug shot. Three mustache rides. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, one other thing regarding. Well, I want to bring Tuchin, but do you want to talk about the Brian Flores thing before we bring Tuchin or bring him well, in and, and, and get his thoughts along with the, with Tuchin? However you want to do it, but there's one other huge thing that I think we should talk about, whether that's with all four of us or just you and I. Okay. I think that we need to talk about the offensive coordinator too. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, let's bring the, the Tuch in because he's been working feverishly behind. I hope he's scenes. got a piece ready for us. Has he got a state of affairs oh, for us? Oh, we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, he's nodding. Yes, there he is. It is none other than Johnny Santu. You know what, John? Every time uh, my wife asked me, oh, what show you have on? Who's going to be on and so forth? Every time I say the, the name Santucci, I sing it to her. Johnny Sandu, <laughs> one of the best fucking last names in in planet Earth, man. It's really good. <laughs> I have I I, uh, I have disconnected myself from all news and phone and technology, so I don't know what's going on. Okay, good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you think that the bear sound effect that he has for the open is like the sound the bear would make when he's coming? Oh yeah, I, I, I actually it's the sound I make when I go. <laughs> I did it last night. I woke up my wife. <laughs> What's going on down there? Oh, I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I when when I when I think or when I was thinking about you know what George and Ted and and Bill Polian would do. Mm -hmm. The, the last thing I thought was that they would hire guys named Ryan and Matt again. <laughs> no, no, no. There was a reporter who asked that question during the press conference. I didn't, I didn't hear the response because my signal uh, gave out momentarily, but I, I thought what. Well, oh, George looked at him like he was a fool. Exactly. I saw that briefly, but I, did he respond to it at all? He did. He said something facetiously like, uh, I forget exactly what it was. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It, whatever he said, it, 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 he was trying not to be an asshole, but he was kind of saying, like, you're wasting your question on this. Yeah, that it, it should not have been a question raised at that press conference. By the way, in tomorrow's Bears special, I'm hoping that J.J. Stankovitz and Patrick Finley are going to make it because of this weather. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. But one of the things that I want to talk to them about is about press conferences. And there is a, a – um, and Dan, you should know this. You've worked in professional radio for a long time. There is, uh, there are unwritten rules. There is a a a a um, unspoken of. Uh, I'm forgetting what the word is. A decorum. Decorum. Thank you very much. There's a decorum when you're when you're holding a press conference. And so when somebody asks a stupid question. The other reporters get really fucking pissed off because it yeah. destroys the mojo and so forth. And so I'm going to ask them about that, not about that specific question, but about, you know, how press conferences work. Because I think a lot of fans sometimes are uh, unjustly critical of reporters. 
it's not like they all gather together and huddle up and say, okay, we're going to ask about this question. You got to remember, these guys all work for different organizations. They want to get their question and what they've been thinking about. And so sometimes, while I would love to see a follow-up question, somebody just asked a good question and, uh, and, and uh, George McCaskey avoids the question. I would love to see somebody step forward and ask a question. David Hall did it in, in that uh, press conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. But that's not the way it works. Everybody is out for themselves on this. A- anyway. <laughs> did anybody uh, in the radio, the piece, the montage that you made, again, I didn't get to hear all of it uh-huh. because I was busy with the other station. Uh, did anyone ask either Poles or Eberflus, can you conclusively tell me that Justin Fields is your quarterback? Did anybody ask them that? No, not that way. No, no. But- that's what I want to know. That's yeah. that I want to know. I just bought the white jersey. It's like I've got three, three fields jerseys now. Did I waste a hundred bucks again? All right, so uh, John, I'm, I'm, I apologize. We're, we're we're sneaking into your segment here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's hear about. <laughs> All right. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta ask Dan this first. How, <laughs> how many jerseys do you own of players that you're like actually ashamed of having purchased the jersey? Because you got a lot well, of jerseys. Yeah, like I told you, I bought that Mike Glennon one. <laughs> As soon as he got signed, just as like, okay, I'm going to move forward. <laughs> I'm, I'm Cutler, he's gone. I hate it. But That's something you okay. don't admit to. Well, I cut it up for Phil, actually, on 100 Proof. Where I don't know if he ever aired it, but I cut it up. Literally took a pair of scissors and just cut the fucking jersey up. But I think he was still on the team, maybe. Did it come but, with uh, a turtleneck? Mike Glennon, I have a Jared <laughs> Allen in white. Oh, no. I've got <laughs> Ted Johnson. What? Tank Johnson. Yeah, I, oh, I've got Kevin White. Yeah, so there's a couple of jerseys there that I will Kevin never White. ever wear again. Did you get splinters or shin splints or whatever it's called when you bought the <laughs> Kevin when you put the Kevin Johnson jersey on? The Kevin White jersey, man. I, he was he played at West Virginia, so I was happy. You know, like I thought, yes, yes, this guy can go deep and he's explosive, and, and they, we never saw it. You know, he was hurt from the get-go. Foster says, Glennon, Dan, you're hooked. <laughs> yes, he is. He's, yeah, he's I did not hurt. buy an Andy Dalton jersey, though. Let me just say that. <laughs> man, oh, man, I might buy one for you just, just because we need to get that collection of disastrous Bears acquisitions in your closet. <laughs> I've got, I've got so many that people would like – I've got Rex in every color. <laughs> I've got Jay in every color. You know, I've got Mitch in every color. Oh my god! Yeah, so I've, so what, I've got. What's the uh, most? Just a, a plethora. What's the most? Uh, like, uh, not not nondescript. That's not the word, but uh, a player that people would say who? Oh uh, well, before I even think about that, real quick, I also have an authentic, authentic white. <laughs> Chicago Bears, number 10. Two Cordell guys Stewart. in the entire world who have a Glennon jersey. Dan and James Christo. Yeah, James hey. Christo says he wears his Glennon jersey for Halloween. <laughs> I've got Stewart, authentic. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Cordell Stewart, authentic. No shit. Well, yeah, and you know what? I was so excited when Cordell Stewart was a Chicago Bear. I was thinking, holy shit, we get this guy. He can do so many different things and stuff, but little that I know. <laughs> that wasn't gonna work out. Oh, yeah, most nondescript Bears jersey, though. That's a good question. Oh man. 
Uh, I don't know how many people remember Conway now, so I've got uh, Curtis Conway. Uh, Mike Woods and I were talking about Curtis Conway this morning. What, you know, it, there's funny stories. I've been trying to get Curtis Conway on with us, and, and I'm going to keep trying. But he he was uh, he had never played in a cold weather game, you know, which makes you wonder why would the Bears draft a wide receiver who's never played in winter temperatures before. Hey, he was a good pick, though. He I, did end I, up I being Conway. an excellent pick. After his rookie season was like not very good, and then after that, they just he, had him returning kicks, though. He didn't really have enough gotcha. a big shot to to run routes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good jersey purchase. And if we get Conway on here, I want you on video wearing that jersey. It's so bad, though. Why? Because repl replicas in the '90s were just made like oh. so half-assed, and it's a champion replica. Like, I don't even think it had the TV numbers on the side, but that's in like 96, 7 or whatever. That was the way replicas looked. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've got it. Like I said, it just looks so fucking fake now, though. <laughs> those, those, which is another reason why you should cherish those jerseys, because when they are defective or, or you know, of ill quality, somehow, some way, they become more prized, <laughs> right, Tooch? I see Tooch nodding his head. Tooch, join the conversation here. Let us know what your mind, uh, what you on your mind. Hey. Do your segment for us. Well, if I yeah. can interrupt, one more well, second, one, one more, more second, one more time. <laughs> I just want to say the only jerseys that I have now that are old that I will still wear. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, I'll slip on a Cutler. Mm -hmm. I'll wear Mike Brown. Occasionally, I'll wear Thomas Jones. I'll wear Anthony Thomas uh, occasionally. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, the older ones, I don't really wear too much. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, just – or Walter, of course. Walter or Jim McMahon. But, uh, you know, like the – like I'm not wearing the 82 Greg Olson anymore, you know. Okay. Well, do this. Uh, get your girlfriend, uh, whoever she is this week, uh, to videotape you wearing all of these jerseys, I want to put together a really cool video with you mobbing. <laughs> I don't have time to do that this week. <laughs> well, but... not this week. Well, sometime during the off season, we'll have some fun with that. By the way, the, the, the uh, I bought, I don't know why, but I bought a Sammy Sosa Cubs shirt. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. And then a couple of years later, you know, he left the, the city of Chicago in disgrace. You know, he acted like an asshole and so forth. So I took my, the, my Cubs shirt to the tailor, and I said, "Can you rearrange these letters so that it spells A S S O Aso?" <laughs> because <laughs> Sammy Sosa ended up being an asshole, but uh, I still love him. He, he gave me great thrills. That's a topic for another show. We got to talk about that baseball season and yeah, the Hall of Fame shit is such yes. a fucking scam. Absolutely, we need to. Talk All about those that. guys deserve to be in. Clemens is the best pitcher of his generation. Totally Bonds agree. Is the best the best hitter of his generation. Yes, totally agree. Their numbers are inflated because of steroids, but it doesn't matter. And the numbers before they started taking steroids would have been good enough if they retired. You got it. Tooch agrees. McGuire and Yeah, Sosa. I just had this conversation with Sean Higgs on one of my shows about so uh, uh, Clemens and uh, uh, Bonds, about how good they were before the steroid era. You know, it didn't matter. You know, the numbers they were, they were putting up, but Mm -hmm. he was well, on, uh, tell us about your segment what you got for us uh today because i can't wait to hear yeah uh, should i come and go get my devin aroma shadu jersey say that do, do i need to go put on my do i need to go put on my devin aroma shadu jersey you really do wow. have a devin aroma shadu no no, <laughs> okay. no. i've got moose and muhammad whoa <laughs> now, authentic 
I'll never forget. I was at a Bears game and I'm watching the introductions and I'm thinking, who's going to be introduced last? And it was Mushin Muhammad. And I'm thinking, well, poor guy. <laughs> and he's, he's not going to have a pass thrown to a mall game. <laughs> uh, all right, dude, tell us what you got for all right. us, brother. We're ready to go, ready to roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We, I'll mute my mic, I promise. <laughs> we uh I was laughing so hard my nose started running over with you guys talking about dance jerseys and so I would need I would need my own closet for jerseys if I wasn't, I think. But, uh, I was just he's got his own bears bears yeah. closet, bears jersey closet. He sent me a photo, I have it somewhere with all the jerseys. It's real and it's a lot of jerseys, it's amazing. Yeah, I wanted to before I before I talk about a little Bears state of affairs. I want to circle back on uh, how the Bears uh, media reporters' mojo is at an all time high after these last two George McCaskey press conferences. <laughs> Their mojo is at an all, especially like guys like Patsy, you know, just taking dots, you know, asking what every fan has always wanted to ask. You know, I think Patsy, he just had enough over the years. I you know, I, I, I want to have I want to have Patsy on the show because yeah. I want to kiss his feet. His I his know. questions are courageous. <laughs> they're on point. Yep. I love it. I, I love it. By the way, Laro Golden says he would like to have an A train jersey. Uh, Dan, you got oh, yeah. an A train jersey, Anthony Thomas? Yeah, I've got the, I've got the white thirty five. Yes, awesome, awesome. Yeah, A train <laughs> jersey would be fantastic. Nice, nicely done. So I talked about my first thought about the Bears hiring. Then I thought about my second thought. I mean, I haven't talked. I'll talk about my second thought, which was they don't have to do much nameplate changing. Caskies, you know, you still have a parking spot. It could be Matt's parking spot and the, the Lion P's parking spot. So the, the George and Ted were probably like, you know, we could save some money there. We, uh, you know, That's we don't right. have to change the name on the door. The, uh, right. the parking space. That was my second thought, you know. And you know, uh, I have a I had a buddy who uh, was in Chicago recently, and he was on Michigan Avenue. He sent me this, Aldo. Eberflus and poles. Yep, millinery mm-hmm. and hattery, handcrafted headwear of exceptional quality. No visors. Oh, I love it! I love it. No, no visors. I love it. I love it. No visors. So, Eberflus and poles. It sounds like a fine hat shop. <laughs> you know, to me, it. that was my third thought. Yeah, that's good. So, oh, Aldo, I thought of the jersey I have that fits the question you oh, had. I'm sorry okay. to interrupt. No, go ahead. The most obscure Bears jersey I have now, the number 83 David Terrell jersey. Oh, let's draft a wide receiver that's who's got a hopes. really bad bone break. In uh, it. <laughs> had such I'm high hopes for him. I got it for my birthday from my girlfriend way back in oh yeah. one or two. Oh, well, she bought it for you. So I, that's, you know, that's a little bit different when it's bought as a gift. Like I got a Trubisky jersey. There's no fucking way I would have paid for a Trubisky jersey. I mean, I, I am of on record as saying I don't buy jerseys unless they are retro jerseys. I want a jersey of a Bears player who is in the Hall of Fame or is of Hall of Fame caliber. I want to make sure I'm spending my money on a truly great player. And so right now, if you if you told me, hey, there's some really authentic, beautiful jerseys about Khalil Mack, 
I would be a little bit on the fence with that because he had one great season and then good seasons, but he's not Butkus. He's no. not he's not Ditka. He's not Sayers. He's not Peyton. Those are the jerseys I own. So Draft Dr. Phil had Lewis Tillman. Lewis Peanut Tillman? No, no, Lewis Tillman, the running back that we had, he came from the Giants. Oh, yes. He was with, he was with the Bears in 94 and 5. Phil told me that a woman bought it for him. It's not like he bought it, but he right. says he still had it. This well, this he told me that story like four years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he he should set that fucker on fire, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got for us, Tooch? Well, you know, uh, Matt Eberflus. Uh, I, I mean, here's the thing: we didn't we didn't get Harbaugh, and it looks like Harbaugh will be going to the Vikings. So uh, we're hiring guys, you know that haven't done these jobs before but hey anything's better than matt nagy i agree that's where i'm at you know Mm -hmm. i so agree with you you know i'm just let's give him a chance i mean eberfliss i mean that they the colts defense gave up some games you know at the end of towards the end of the season but uh uh he's got a lot more to work with over here i think i'm with you uh i i want uh you know I'm not going to um, knock the guy because he's using all these cliches, you know, hit and and yeah. all this coach speak and so forth. I, I I want to see results. We're gonna know a little bit about these guys very very soon. Free agency is coming up in March, so we'll get an indication as to what Ryan Poles is gonna do with this roster. And we're going to study it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to debate it. But one thing is clear. He's going to start laying his identity for this team down very, very quickly. And that's going to be huge. And then a month and a half later, it's going to be the NFL draft. And by the time that draft is over, the three of us are going to get together with our guests and so forth. And I want to get some of the people in the chat room involved and being on the show. And we're going to talk about those draft picks. And we're going to make a thorough evaluation of this new Chicago Bears team. And then the Piesta resistance is, of course, what happens in the NFL season. They got to get off to a fast start. And you know what? I'm going to be a little bit lenient. If they lose games, but they lose them by fighting hard and playing good football and so forth, but because the roster still might not be set, that's why they're losing, then I'm going to be applauding the effort and moving forward. Not that I'm into participation trophies at all, but this no, it's is. Like, it's like what you said with Wani. It's like we could be proud of those teams even if they were four and twelve because they fought. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's why that's why we still remember Wanstead fondly, as opposed to Matt Eggy, Even if he was coach of the year ten years from now, none of us are going to be like, you know what, he was better than we thought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Right, right. And I want to see the equivalent of if a player sees a loose ball and he doesn't die for it. I want to see the equivalent of like when Woody Hayes would grab a guy by the face mask and yell at him. Not that that's uh, 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 acceptable in these days, but I want to see the equivalent of that in these days with Evil Flus addressing that with the player and then in the press conference strongly letting us fans know this has been addressed and it won't happen again because if it does, that player won't be on the roster. That's you know the type of team I want. You know what's yeah. so ironic? If Harbaugh goes to Minnesota, that's the site of Ditka losing his mind on him in 92 the site of Harbaugh's worst moment 
even though it wasn't his fault. Neil Anderson's the one that didn't hear the the check. Yeah, but yeah. that was the site of his worst moment in his professional career. That's and amazing. Now, and now could be a Vikings head coach. That is fucking amazing, Dan. Oh man, that is like you remember that the yes. Scott Oh my gosh, I'll never forget it. I I'm visualizing right now in my mind how how you know Ditko was way up. Excuse me, way out of line with how he 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 treated his quarterback. That was that just probably stupid. got him fired, honestly. Yeah, well, and you know, and if you read the book, uh, uh, I forgot the title of the book, but it was written by Armin Katayan. He he said that uh, it was Jerry Venisi, the Bears general manager at the time, who really saved Ditka from being fired in those early seasons before they won the Super Bowl. He was just such a loose cannon, and. Uh, 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 Edward McCaskey was just so pissed off with his histrionics and, and didn't want that. And Venisi would would act as the mediator between them, and he would advise Ditka, you need to calm it down. This is different. You're an NFL head coach. The administration is a little more conservative and so forth. He saved Ditka's ass. And by the time 1984 came along, there was just no way. McCaskey could fire Ditka because you could tell everybody that followed pro football at the time knew this team is going to win a Super Bowl next year. I mean, when they lost that game against the 49ers in the playoffs, even though it was like a 14 to three final score, everybody 23, nothing 20. Oh my gosh. This guy's amazing. He's amazing. He could probably name everybody that scored a touchdown. Can you Dan? No, I can't do <laughs> okay. that. Uh, that game is is one I've watched like three times ever. Uh, and, and but even you know, I remember watching it. I was at my girlfriend's house. We were watching the game, and she asked me, "How come you're not upset like you normally are?" I go, "You know what? This team is going to win a Super Bowl next year." Watch. And I bet you won't admit this, but you were probably saying on that very day in January of '85 when the Bears lost. Next year, we're going to have Jim McMahon back. <laughs> I did. I did say that <laughs> because it was Mr. Fuller that was the quarterback at the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember this hot sex that we had afterwards. That was incredible, man. <laughs> hey, you know what's fun if you go back on in that game I was talking about with Harbaugh and Minnesota. In the, and now I know we got to be quiet. We need to give Tooch and Aaron time. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to bring Aaron in. But uh, McMahon, or I'm sorry, Harbaugh's game with Ditka and Harbaugh in the Metrodome and that audible who was announcing the game, a very, very young Jim Nance for CBS. Oh, my goodness. Holy yeah, Jim shit. Jim Nance couldn't have been but like 28 then or something. Yeah. He's one of my least favorite play-by-play -play guys. Despite yeah, the fact I don't like that him he, either, but it's fun to go back. He doesn't do anything wrong. It's just, I don't he's more of a tennis golf guy to me. Yeah, he's like, the hush over the crowd is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Tooch, who's your favorite NFL announcer of all time? And please say Ray Scott. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. man. I, don't, I mean, it's hard to, you know, top. Pat Summerall for me. Yeah, sat Pat Summerall and, and, and John Madden. Just like yes. that, was, that was probably the best yeah. pair of all time. But the best play-by-play -play announcer in my mind is Al Michaels. Yeah, was, Al Michael was next. And I'm a big fan of Mike Tirico. And, of course, Pat Summerall was great. But at the time, I detected there was something going on with Pat Summerall because I like to drink, and so did he. <laughs> <laughs> By the I way, liked back in the day. I, I know everyone talks shit about him now, but 
Dick Stockton was solid, man, in the 80s and 90s. He was. And so yeah. was Dick Enberg. Yes. And isn't it a shame that Dick Stockton and Leslie Visser are no longer married? Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I, Doesn't Leslie Visser, Visser remind you of Joan on uh, Mad Men? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's big and had like a points at red hair. So the, Leslie Visser has a, a, a very, you know, uh, uh, shapely shape, very curvaceous. Uh, but she, I think she was tall, is what I was comparing her to, with oh, like the jumps. I mean, to go tits and ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Aaron wants to know if we still want him on. I told him yes, absolutely. Oh yes, absolutely. Kurt Gowdy got a, a mention from Laz. He was uh, his favorite. Uh, Hair Bear says, "Hey, Hair Bear, what's happening? Look at I get to see Hair Bear's picture for the first time. You're a handsome gentleman." Can I can I comment on the Kurt Gowdy? I need Please. to be quiet. I'm taking too much mic time up tonight. But it's all right. uh, th here's the reason. And Kurt Gowdy was a legend. So I'm not trying to shit on a, a guy who's no longer here. Mm -hmm. But here's the reason that I take umbrage with Kurt Gowdy. Mm -hmm. And I'll, two quick examples. During Super Bowl three, if you go back and watch it now, if that had been any of the announcers that we've mentioned so far, what you would have heard over and over and over is, can you believe that this team's 18-point underdogs, the AFL's never won a game versus the NFL, and this guy, this fucking guy here, guaranteed win a victory that's never happened before mm -hmm. that had never happened someone to be that brazen to do that he rarely mentions the significance of the game and that's super bowl three and he was the afl announcer because remember back then yes cbs was the nfl they were for the mm -hmm. afl he does a poor job of telling the story the narrative and the reason he ended up losing his gig is he went to cbs at the end uh was because i mentioned this once before the game where denver just fucking got handed the super or the AFC championship against the Raiders, which made Madden lose his mind when Rob Lytle fumbled uh, in January of 78. That was on New Year's Day. And uh, they had Kurt go do the college bowl game. Because remember back then, the significant game was January 1st, mm -hmm. whichever whichever title game it was back then. Which is the way so, it should be today, but please go ahead. So they put Enberg mm -hmm. in because they had Kurt do their big national title game. Because he did both of them, but th this happened the same day. So they put Dick Enberg on the AFC Championship, and he did such a great job of just saying the significance of, you know, the Broncos are upstart. They've never won anything. The Raiders are the team that always wins. They're the defending champions. The whole game, he is selling the story so the average person can become invested, even if they didn't watch the whole season. They can fill – he's filling in all the blanks. He's doing all the storytelling that Kurt Gowdy never did. And you know what? They gave him the fucking NFL job right after that. Amazing. And, and Kurt Gowdy took his talents to CBS. And Dan, that's why you would make a really good play-by-play -play announcer because you get the concept of storytelling. But I don't know the formations enough. That's something you can learn, you know. That's a week of tutoring from Greg Gabriel, and all of a sudden you're on your way. Uh, to quote Phil, I'd be a fraud. <laughs> Aren't we all though? Then, <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to 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 bump Aaron or or, or Santucci here, so I'm going to kind of take a seat back and listen to you all. Well, Aaron is still uh, not with us, but he should be popping in any moment. But uh, Tooch, please take over the stage because uh, I know you got a lot on your mind that you want to. I expound on you need to pee <laughs> yes i do oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god uh well what do you think about this oc tooch yeah that 
that is exactly what I wanted to talk about was, uh, I think it's great that we're, we're stealing from the enemy. You know, we, uh, uh take, uh, take away a guy that, uh, you know, plays a, plays a role on, uh, our biggest rival. So I think it's a great hire. Um, I, I, I like the green Bay offense, you know, I love, I love the, the, the passing uh, game and that's what you're bringing here. The passing game coordinator, you know, they run the screen pass very well. Um, they, they, they run the, uh, uh, the, the passing game, uh, all the different routes and, you know, the formations, they run the slant, they run the slant, they, they run the slant for God's sakes. And the, the formations are, you know, designed to set up, you know, the defense though, you know, whether you are running, uh, running from the formation or passing from the formation, you know, that sets up play action. You know, all that stuff sets up the screen pass. Yeah, it's like when Nagy would call something, you know, they it, the play never meant anything. When Green Bay runs it, yeah. if, if they yeah. run a jet sweep on this format, the next time you see it, it's going to go the other way. Exactly. And, and you know, a lot of folks in the chat room said this exact – the folks in the chat room were saying the exact same thing. That it, Nagy's formations didn't set the defense up for the next play, you know, the next time the defense saw the formation, you know. And that's yeah, it was uh, just like rhyme, no rhyme or reason. It's like playing a game of Madden. That's what Nagy did. Yep. And that Hair Bear agrees. Maybe we can run some real screen passes. I mean, that's the Green Bay used to run that screen pass against us all the time, man. The, uh, you know, yeah, the well, even back in the 90s, like William yeah. Henderson was always catching it and pissing me off. Yep. Catching, catching the screen pass. And then he's got like three offensive linemen in front of him, you know, ready to roll down the left side, you know. That was Every always time uh, the, the, the they would throw a little like wide receiver bubble screen. They always yeah. had three blockers in front of the receiver too. Yeah, exactly. Everything they would do screen wise would kill us all the time. Dorsey Levins, Edgar Bennett, William Henderson, and all the way up until now. Uh, uh, someone in the chat room, I forget who who uh, asked what free agents we'd like to see the Bears uh, sign. Um, it would make a difference on uh, on the Bears. I know. Uh, I think all those mentioned these uh, all those mentioned these guys before, but uh, we're talking which free agents, top free agents. You know, I mean, the number one free agent is Devontae Adams. You know, wouldn't that be great to steal him away from the Packers? That, uh, He's gonna go with Aaron it, wherever yeah, Aaron goes. Yeah. So that ain't happening. But there are some guys who are younger and tall. You know, we need a big receiver. You know, that would compliment uh, uh darnell mooney and the other uh receivers you got guys like dj chark and juju smith shooter those guys are only 25 years old exactly you know alan robinson Devonte adams are 29 odell beckham's 29 mm -hmm. you know those guys are also free agents and stuff i do oh. not want beckham yeah well i mean odell beckham had a great game last game in uh, the NFC he's championship player, though, if he's on a team and they're struggling, he's going to be whining and bitching and, and creating <laughs> a disturbance. Right. Right. And, and you know, 29, you know, it's, it's not ideal. Let's, let's get a guy that's ascending, you know, that's still young, you know, those guys to me, yeah, Mike, Mike Williams is 27. That's another guy. You see, Mike Williams is always hurt. So yeah, it's to me. So uh, DJ Chark is probably always hurt too. Seen yeah, he's, he's more brittle. I remember seeing yeah. him at the Senior Bowl. He was actually one. Uh, he's thin. Play, yeah, he uh, he he won Player of the Game award at the Senior Bowl when I was there 
three years ago, and uh, he was, I was just so amazed at how thin he was and how uh, skinny. So, but he's definitely a, a tremendous wide receiver. By the way, somebody has just joined us. This gentleman oh. here. I wish we had a more formal introduction for this gentleman here because every time I see him, I'm just amazed at how good looking he is. And I'm not a gay man. I'm, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking not about from a move. My, my, <laughs> my, not yet. Correct. From my background at producing movies and TV shows, this, this is a guy that I would cast immediately for some kind of a role because his face and his persona is so interesting. I introduce to you, Mr. Aaron McCall. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> that's, a hell, that's a hell of an intro there, Aldo. Thank you, man. Thank you very You're much very for welcome. that. What's going on, boy? Sorry for delay. No, no problem. I understand you had some puppy uh, assignments. Yeah, going on. Uh, my, uh, my dad got a new puppy and we... Uh, I was gonna go watch him. I was just gonna. I was gonna just go over and take him out real quick. And I was gonna come back. And I was like, oh, he's. You know, I got there and he's just caked and shit. So I spent some time and cleaned him up. And like, like I said, we haven't even had him for my my dad rather hasn't even had him for a week. So I just I felt bad. I'm gonna hang out with them. And my dad mm -hmm. ended up. He would have been home sooner, but what he was doing stayed late. So figured I'd hang out with a little dude. Well, you did the right thing, and uh, your uh, invitation to be on this show is uh, is you got like one of those uh, McDonald's cards where you could eat anytime for free at any McDonald's restaurant. That's Thanks, the same man. thing with your invitation here at any of the barroom shows. All You're right. welcome to come on. Very cool. <laughs> Let me Thank say you. this to Aaron. Yes. Every time I made jabs about Nagy being bald, that was that Nagy, not you. <laughs> I know. I know, man. It was, it was too much fun. You're like that bald, but I was like, son of a bitch. And it wasn't, it was people on Twitter. And it's like, if we got rid of Dalton too, I'm like, no more ginger jokes too. So there's <laughs> double whammy. Well, you guys are young enough. Maybe, maybe Tooch and I are not young enough, but years from now, you guys will be talking about Remember that coach that used to wear a visor like in the winter time? Your ball headed guy who was wearing a visor in the winter time. What was the name of that coach? I don't think we'll ever. Unfortunately, he's unforgettable in the in the, in the worst way possible, man. That maybe, was... maybe two or three Super Bowl championships. Will okay, help. yeah, then that'll be all as well in the in the land of Bears. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. He's worse than Tressman. I really believe so. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I the Trustman teams were worse, but just something about Nagy and Nagy's team just was painful to watch. But here's the thing, Aaron, is that uh, – check out Aaron's beard. Dude, Herbert Her loves your beard. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Like, well, he should. But here's the thing about Trustman. He was hired as an offensive coach, and Matt Nagy was hired as an offensive coach. Who had the best offenses? Mark Trustman, by far. By far. Yeah. By, by, by far. And if he would have had uh, a general manager who would have at least helped the defensive corner, Mel Tucker, by telling Tucker, play your own defense. Don't worry. It doesn't have to be Lovey Smith. Do your thing. And I'm going to get you some players. Then, you know, who knows? The, the Trustman years could have been remembered more fondly. But let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's tough. Like I said, with the. Uh... God, Trustman went three and thirteen too, didn't we? At one point, was oh. he a three and thirteen, or was that somebody else? That was John Fox. Oh, Jesus, John Fox. Okay. Well, even then, John Fox didn't seem quite as brutal. Even then, you know, in the past couple of regimes or last couple of coaches, not it just for whatever reason, it just the nag. And I'm I'm glad it's, it's over, but the naggy era just felt. I mean, it, it was one of those you're embarrassed to be a Bears fan, and it's bad when people who 
Packers fans stop talking shit to you. You know it's bad. And like people who are not Packers fans, are like I'm sorry about your team, man. I'm sorry about the Bears. It's like, quit saying sorry. Would you just make fun of me? Do just it gave me something. But like it's it was just becoming a non-factor. I think was the worst part for me. Like not competitive. Real quick, we had two two road games this year. One Aldo can verify with me. Uh, in Cleveland, we were sitting there, and the guy beside us, nice dude. He told the only nice guy in Cleveland that we met, <laughs> the guy beside us, he said, um, man, I like you all's team. It's just that Matt Nagy seems to be the problem. Yep. And th- then when oh, I was in Pittsburgh on that Monday night game, when I was leaving, my friend Sylvester who was on the show once before. He's a Denver fan, but he and I were leaving. So the guy assumed we were both Bears fans. And he goes, I'm sorry about your team. And, you know, Sylvester's like, oh, it's not me, you know, but uh, he goes, I just think you all, I like your quarterback. The Bears will be better once they get rid of Nagy. So that was like everybody saw it, man. Yep. Everybody saw it. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, uh, it took too long for George McCaskey to see it. By the way, I want to show you guys a image here. Let me uh, change this first so that uh, I saw John Fox on a video with none other than Doug Peterson. Look at the way John Fox looks nowadays. He's lost a lot of weight. No he's got glasses. He's got the scholarly look. Um, yeah. Bad, I Remember, he's ticklish at the bottom of his feet. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, Aaron, uh, did you get a chance to absorb the press conference with the new hires? And- I did. Give me just a sec. I actually have notes. Okay, yeah, look at he's gonna get notes. I like this right. guy. Hey, Aaron, what you're getting your notes? I still I want to hear Aldo and uh, Scooch and I were talking. I want to hear Aaron and Aldo's opinions on the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I got some thoughts to share on that, and I actually want to do an elaborate uh, program on what the passing concepts were for the Green Bay Packers. I saw some tape. Actually, if anybody wants to get a jump start on that. Kurt Warner did an excellent, excellent breakdown on the Packers playoff game. And some of the stuff on there was troubling from a schematic standpoint. Now, how much we can draw into that, that was Luke Getze or not, I I don't know. But he gets a lot of credit for coming up with passing concepts. How many times have we seen the Bears have like two receivers like almost shoulder to shoulder downfield. And it's like, why the fuck are you guys so close together? You shouldn't be doing that. So the Packers have been doing that too. If he comes up with the schemes, but my understanding, and it may have even been Greg Gabriel pointed out that uh, their coach is the one calling the plays though. Matt LaFleur. That's a tough one where it's like, if where you know, where's his, how much blame we're going to put on, you know, Luke Getzey. If he came up with something, if it, we don't, that's a tough thing, I guess. I'll have to watch the Kurt Warner thing, but is it, you know, whose fault was it kind of a deal? It's it's tough to tell. Yeah. If I if I could add to that real quick, Hogan Johns had Rob Demosky, who was the the Green Bay beat writer on their yeah, podcast. I haven't seen that one yet. I did listen to that. He said that the guy going to Denver, I can't remember his name, their new coach, and this guy that we hired, Luke, whatever the fuck, I don't know Luke's last name yet, the offensive coordinator. He said losing those two guys won't hurt Green Bay at all because the little boy is the one who makes all the calls. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I got a feeling that the Matt LaFleur uh, bubble is going to 
burst uh, after Aaron leaves, and it's going to burst really quickly. This, I agree. This guy had the benefit of having a quarterback who could hide blemishes uh, but was unable to in, in big-time games because he would rely on his safety nets, throwing it to Devontae Adams, despite the fact that Lazard was wide open over the middle and, and things like that. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in depth. Aaron Fire Wa- the hotkey of, uh, of Ed. Idiots! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you guys see um, <laughs> after the Packers lost, Colin Coward had a video for like eight minutes roasted Aaron Rodgers talking about the reason you suck is because you don't have relationships. Yes. You talk about you have one person that you can throw to and that's Devontae Adams and he counted like two or three times where he's like you could have thrown to these guys and these guys and these guys. The reason Aaron Rodgers you don't succeed is because you're not a relationship person. He said, Didn't you, you send me that you- then? No, no, you had it on your own. Yeah, okay. it, but that, I thought that was you, awesome. You full credit, need full credit for that. He fucking nailed him to the wall with that and, and, and basically just broke it down saying that you're a shitty person, you don't have any relationships, nobody wants to work with you, and you don't trust anybody, you're not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foster is, uh, is echoing a, a thought that many people in the chat room have been saying uh, is that Iberflus's coach defense ranked 29th in the last six games. I think that has something to do with injuries and, you know, Justin Fields would have been a better quarterback if the Bears defense would have made some stops. And uh, so, it, 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 you know, I don't think you can blame Eberflus totally with that stat. You know, there just there were some outstanding – there were some circumstances, extenuating circumstances that led to that stat. I think that – Overall, when you look at DVOA, which is a stat that I don't really understand, but he gets graded very, very highly on that. And by the way, here it is. You morons! <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned that guy, you know, Foster. I wish I had an Australian beer right now. You know, <laughs> I wonder, too. Um, I mean, I guess that's concerned, but what they said in the press conference, too, is is Iberflus isn't going to be the defense. He's not calling defensive plays. He's like the he? defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's he? not. No, he's not. He, he <laughs> said that he's going to let the – uh, he made it very clear. He's like, I'm not calling plays. He's like, I'm a head coach, and you can't really yes. do that if you're going to be the uh, if you're like going to be the head coach. You have to be managing everything and not worrying about one side of the ball. I'll tell you though, it would be totally bears for us to hire like a defensive genius and our defense to be like 30th in the NFL. Like you hired Nagy to be the offensive genius, and our yeah. offense was like 32nd this year. Doesn't that That'd seem be the most bears thing ever? Like yes. the Ravens won a Super Bowl. They hired Bill Belick, who was an offensive <laughs> right, genius no. with the Vikings, and that fucking offense sucked. It was they were Ray terrible. Lewis. Yeah, it was Ray Lewis and the rest of that defense that won them a Super Bowl. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you surprised Brian Billick never got another job? Yes, I am. I am. Yeah, because, I mean, he did well in Baltimore. Yeah. He must be behind the scenes a total dick. You know, that's why when I see uh, actors act in big production movies and the box office is good, and then you rarely see them again, it must be because on the set they were assholes. And the same thing is is true, I think, with coaches. You know, it's like this guy's had some success, but, hey, behind the scenes, he's a fucking asshole. Brian Flores, we're talking about you, sir. (laughs) Do you see uh, he's sued like three teams? Yes, he and filed a lawsuit should we, against should the we Broncos. Talk about that right now, because that's that's a big hot topic. Yeah, the Broncos, the 
Dolphins, and there's a third one. I'm Is surprised. it the Giants? I'm surprised it's it not. It might there. have been the Giants. Yeah, no, they're the Broncos, the Giants, and the uh, Dolphins. He, he uh, I just found out earlier today he uh, is opening a lawsuit up against him with the whole uh, uh, Rooney Rule thing. Uh, well, I, I am, you know, from the standpoint of this guy was going to a job interview thinking he's got a chance to win the New York Giants job. He gets a text from Bill Bel- uh, I, uh, Bill Belichick. Didn't see, I read about that? I haven't. I didn't know the context. But I heard that there was a text that leaked that shouldn't have leaked. What happened there? Yes, Bill Belichick sent him a text mistakenly. He thought he was sending it to Brian Dayball. This is three days before Flores' interview. He sends it to uh, Flores instead of Brian Dayball. He says, hey, Brian, congratulations on landing the New York Giants job. And so Flores is reading it and saying, oh, my interview isn't until three days. And he says, are you sure about oh, this? No. Isn't this for Brian Dable? He goes, oh, yeah, I, I man, I, 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 I checked this carefully. I'm sorry I screwed up. Really sorry, BB. So all of a sudden, uh, Flores is thinking, okay, I'm just one of those token interviews. Oh, They're just sucks. talking to me so they can fulfill I their can't room imagine room how that has to that. feel. Even if you're not the right coordinator or the right guy for the job, you're going to have that hanging over your head, man. I cannot yeah. imagine what that has to be like. Yeah, but you can't drop the dime on Belichick, though. He's I the mean, man. yeah, no, I get it. You become a head coach because of Belichick, and now you're making him look bad. And end, even if his lawsuit has merit, he's done. Yep. No one's going to hire him now because he violated yep. their trust. Yeah, that's and as Stephen DeGeese, good old boy out, code, the Dolphins' uh, owner, uh, uh, Flores, contends in the lawsuit that the uh, Ross, the the owner, Stephen Ross, uh, told. Uh, Flores, tank these games. For each game that you intentionally lose, I will give you personally $100,000. That way we can land the number one draft pick. He wanted to try to get Trevor Lawrence, I'm I'm assuming. So if that's true, if you have an NFL owner who isn't, and he's got, if he's got proof that this is true. Yeah, that's what I'd be interested. You gotta, you gotta have hard facts on that man. That's, That's He also alleged that John Elway was drunk in their interview. Are you serious? Yeah, he said John El- uh, Denver's already rebut- issued a rebuttal. Yeah, he alleged that Elway didn't take the, the his interview seriously, that he was drunk at like 9 o'clock in the morning during their interview. Holy cow. Of course, Dude. Denver was like, this guy's full of shit. But, yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. I will tell you this. When I was at the Senior Bowl uh, three years ago, uh, Elway was at the weigh-ins and everybody was surprised to see him there at eight o'clock in the morning because he closed down the bar, the bar that all the scouts and, and NFL people go to. He closed it. I had a boy, Elway. <laughs> yes, that's my man. Professional. <laughs> he made the Super Bowl. Yes, he did. Sounds like he never went to sleep. <laughs> That's right. You probably never went to sleep, dude. We've all done that. Let's let's be real. We've all caught home in the bar. Like I'm going to take a power nap and I'm going to work. That's amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I got to tell you, 
this whole florist thing, I want to talk about it in depth, but I think that we should wait for more facts to come in because a lot of what we will be talking about is conjecture and he said, she yeah. said, and so forth. And I hate to do that. I don't want to rush to judgment. I already have an inherent bias against the NFL and the 31 white rich owners. And I don't want to throw them under the bus yeah. unless there's really good proof going on here. So can we, is it okay with you guys if we table this discussion? And I also suggest to people who follow the Barroom Network that Stephen Nagishi and Ken Fang do an outstanding job of sports journalism on their sh Monday night show called the double a team. And I'm positive. They're going to be, uh, uh, following this story very, very closely because it's part of the, the DNA of that show. So follow them okay. on that show. And uh, and then Laro Golden is going to be on the uh, Bear Special show tomorrow night. And so I'll talk to Laro a little bit about that. As an African-American, I'd like, like to get his point of view on that. But uh, let, let's let's table the discussions until uh, later uh, at a later date. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can talk about the press. You know, Sindanaldo, this reminds me of a bit that the Bill Maher had too, where he was saying in today's society, it should be okay for people. Not, not, I'm not saying this toward you. I just this is something Maher said. It should be okay for people to talk about individuals that happen to be of other ethnicities. It's almost like, you know, if if you're a Latino and the guy's white, you're not allowed to talk about this issue. Mm -hmm. That was like Moir was saying. He's like, so we don't have a black person on the show tonight. It's okay. It doesn't make us all prejudiced to, to talk about a black politician if we're white. Uh, I mean, th that is true. It's very uncomfortable almost for me as a white guy no, for sure, to talk about Brian Flores. It is. Yeah. But, and it's just so true that something Mar said that, you know, that, that resonated with me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Bill on that point. Um, but you know, I, this is just, this is so fresh. And I know like the, the people on ESPN have been talking about it. They, they broke into their shows, NFL live. This is an important topic. We're going to throw everything we got uh, on our schedule and talk about this and so forth. We'll let them. They're professional. I'm glad I don't want to talk about it was my point. I yeah. agree with Mar. Like as a white guy, I feel like I should just shut up. Yeah, well, you know, and I think we're all entitled to our opinion, and I think a lot of people want to hear our opinions, but I would just like to just hesitate a little bit until we get some more facts and stuff, and that way we can speak with a little more knowledge. And uh, Foster, think, uh, says, uh, Foster says, Dan, fucking Glennon, wow. <laughs> That's still a hot topic in the chat room. <laughs> yeah, I admit it. It's almost like you caught me masturbating to gay porn or something. <laughs> Aaron, did you hear that while you were? I know I, I didn't hear yeah. that. Huh? Uh, 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 Dan admitted to owning a Glennon jersey, but I cut it up for Phil and Shane. <laughs> I don't remember that. Are you sure you did? Do you have pictures of that? <laughs> no, there was a video. I sent them the video okay. of it of me cutting it up with scissors. All right. Well, we we didn't. That's all right, man. No, I mean I respect how much you love the team and get the quarterback jersey. I uh, have not pulled the trigger on the Fields jersey yet. Um, I've got three of them. <laughs> I know, and that's dope, dude. I've I've got a Mitch jersey. I've got a Mitch autograph, and, and I don't regret having those. Um, but for Fields, I just I can't trust the team anymore. I don't know what they're gonna do. And as soon as I, you know, I've, as soon as I fall in love with Fields, to think this is our guy going, they're gonna something. I just we'll have to wait and see. We'll get into the press conference and we'll let it happen. But what now? I said you'll buy it, and then he'll get hurt or traded. Well. 
<laughs> yeah, the traded thing scares the hell out of me. I yeah, me too. Man. Getting into the press conference though, there was uh, some of it made me nervous. I've actually listened to it all the way through twice because um, I wanted to be sure that I heard you know. And I, like I said, I have notes. Um, but it sounds like that's their guy. So it made me nervous at least once or twice. They because the the first I want to say three times they brought Fields up in the press conference. Um, they kind of sidestepped the question, said, how do you evaluate Justin Fields? What are you going to do with him? And then Uber Flues came out and said something, we're going to evaluate all our players. We have a lot of talent. We want to make sure we know what every person. So like immediately I, I started clenching up. I was like, oh, fuck, they don't like, they don't like him. Um, and then finally, it was like the fourth or fifth time somebody brought up Fields. Um, I want to say it was actually Ryan Poles started complimenting Fields and saying, we like what he's doing. We're going to build a so like it, it, it feels like they had to push to get that out of them, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's you're being introduced. You don't want to tell everybody what you're going to do. They're not going to give you a whole lot anyhow, but they did for the first half. It, it, both times I watched it, they made me real nervous because anytime they'd ask a Fields question, it seems like they, they kind of sidestepped it. You are so right about that. It was, and we talked about that early in the show. It, it's, it felt like they could have gone a little bit further in, in endorsing him as the mm-hmm. quarterback, but it was very, very cautious. Yep. Their, their, their endorsement was very cautious. Yeah. I wanted one of those moments to add to this, like where Lovey would come out and say, Rex is our quarterback. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I 100% agree. I was waiting for the Justin. But like I said, eventually they did come out and say, we, we're going to watch the tape. We're going to see what he does well. We're going to build around that. We're going to see what he doesn't do well. We're going to hide that and, and work on it. Um, so it sounds like they do have a plan in place. You know, I do feel confident that they do, but it's just, well, I, like, it's just, it's, I can't trust the team to do the right thing or, do, or at least do what I want. I, I don't pretend to know what the right thing is exactly, but it's, you know, I like Justin Fields. I wanted to hang around. I just would hate to have that be the next jersey I get from like, this is our guy and then it doesn't work out and they trade him for, for something else. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, it's like you don't blame them for being cautious. It's you know they've been they've been handed this quarterback. This wasn't their quarterback. Agreed. So, you know, I I, I don't blame them for being cautious. But as a fan that wants Super Bowls now, you know, I, I wish they would have said, yeah. This guy is fucking great. We're yeah. going to not only are we going to win the Super Bowl, we're going to go 17 and 0 and then win the three playoffs games. We're going to be the first 20 and 0 team. But of course, that's, you know, a Bears fan talking not reality. Could happen. You know, well, it's uh, first Mar- Mar- Levy, the Bengals can make it there. We got a chance. Dan, you just right. said Marv Levy did not draft Jim Kelly? Right, he inherited him. And what happened with that? Four I Super hate Bowl. I hate that. I'm sorry. I hate it when they say it about Mitch. I'm not, I just, I don't accept anybody saying I inherited Nagy inherited a Mitch. No, he fucking didn't. Nagy knew Mitch was here when he interviewed for the job. He wanted to work, wanted to work with Mitch. I get That's it. I just, I point, can't man. stand when somebody says so-and-so inherited the quarterback. You knew they were here, dude. It's not like they traded for him in a surprise as soon as you got the job. I hate that so much. It drives me fucking nuts. It so, did surprise John Fox though. <laughs> agreed. So there, you can see that Fox inherited because he didn't have a choice. It just happened. But like, and I heard, I heard somebody say it today about Mitch. It's like, oh, I, it may have even been a question in the press conference where they're like, you know, the Nagy inherited Mitch or something along those lines. 
but it, it absolutely drives me nuts. I hate when they're like, oh, Mitch was forced upon Nagy. It's like Nagy knew Mitch was here and he knew everything. That's about how he got the job. He said he could turn Mitch into a winner. You know, the, sure the, the reporters yeah. were trying yeah. to ask this question of, you know, is it a prerequisite that any coach coming here would work with Justin Fields? They asked that. And, and in George the danced around too. it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Now the reporters mm-hmm. asked. Asked George McCaskey. Again, and that was that point. I was clenched up. I was very nervous. I was like, you know, and, and George yeah. gave us the hypothetical tap dance. We don't hy- He doesn't like hypotheticals, John. Remember? Yeah, he doesn't like I don't like hypotheticals. And it's like, it's not hypothetical. He's like, well, the question starts with job, if. So it's a hypothetical. Know. George McCaskey. You have to know. Ass. Hey, guys, we've been talking about Luke Getzing, the new offensive coordinator for uh, the Chicago Bears. I got a little bit of tape of him uh, as the offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, talking about his work with Jordan Love. And it really impressed me what he was saying, because this is something that I actually, when we were doing 100 Proof, I learned from uh, Phil about footwork and the quarterbacks and you know what their footwork should be like and so forth. And uh, Luke Getze does a great job here of explaining how the footwork should work on a pass. And I think that if he brings this to Justin Fields, it's only going to be to his benefit. Listen closely. Interesting when you said you wanted to let his feet do the talking. Uh, can you kind of just explain how the feet leads to the decision that has to be made? Yeah, so, you know, every play, every route has a rhythm with your feet. And as you take that rhythm, if the person's not open, well, then it's time to move on in your progression. So it's time, to, it's time to get your feet pointed in another direction. And so if you're, if you're hanging too long in that one spot, well, then you're going to be late when you get to the next one. Um, and that's when sacks and things like that start happening. So if you, if, you just, if you can just trust your feet, and as you're looking in the area you're supposed to, if it's not open, well, it's time to move on. And, and so that's, as a young guy, that's hard to, hard to do because sometimes you want to give that primary progression an opportunity to get open, and you just can't. And you have to just let your feet, like I say, if you, if it's a left, right, and a hitch, or a left, right, and a plant, and they're not there, then you need to get your, your first hitch, or whether it's your second hitch, to your next, your next in progression. And I think that that's, uh, that's the biggest thing, the biggest challenge for young guys. And that, the, like I said, it's been a huge emphasis this training camp with Jordan. That was one of the things that Mitchell Trubisky did not do. That's what I was thinking. Oh, the first thing I thought of when he said, I was like, oh, we should have got him for, for Mitch. Would have fucking helped him block that left foot instead of opening his hip up every time. Exactly. You got to have that left foot pointing at the target that you're throwing to. And when Mitch would go from that first read where he he, he had the footwork correct, but when that guy was, was, was covered, all of a sudden the footwork went to all hell and Mitchell on the second or third re- read would usually be inaccurate because the footwork wasn't following the progressions as Luke Getze perfectly said there. I've said this so many times. I just I feel like it needs to be emphasized, reiterated over and over and over. I blame I almost blame everything that you could point at Mitchell at Matt Nagy. And all these stories now where he like ghosted Allen Robinson or even Mitch and Damn didn't show up. I mean, this guy was the fucking problem. I'm I don't want to be like Mike uh, North in the sense that and I have so much respect for Mike North. Uh I'm I'm not gonna say that he's gonna win an MVP somewhere. But if he's given the chance to start and has a good coach, he'll play Absolutely. better. And he didn't even play horribly here. Mm-hmm. But I think his run with the Bears was sabotaged because of our coach. Interesting. 
And the factor just put up, uh, Tooch put, just put up the factor's uh, uh, comment. I don't know what he's saying. Your feet do not have to point towards your target, LOL. They just have to be set. No, I, I disagree. And he's, he's citing Austin Carter. So you're Swindell. saying you could have your feet set like this and throw the ball just fine is what you're saying then at that point, right? Just spread them out. Doesn't matter where your feet are, but if they're locked in, you can throw the ball just fine. That doesn't make sense. Now, players like Patrick Mahomes can get away with that because of their arm strength. He's that's a freak. And that's why Patrick Mahomes was such a divisive figure when he came out of college because his footwork was all over the fucking place. And and so, you know, me being a novice, I love Patrick Mahomes. I think the Bears should draft him. I loved him too. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he was doing magic, even though the footwork and the the technical stuff. And if if you go back to the uh, NFC North barroom days, me and Jose Cotto, the day they drafted – Mitchell Trubisky, we had access, thanks to Lauren Cox, we had access to every passing play Mitchell Trubisky uh, uh, threw in, at North Carolina, and we knew this is a problem. This guy's footwork is sucks. And um, and so you, your footwork, footwork have to go beyond being set. They have to be correct. You see a quarterback, when he's looking to his right, he's going like this. When he's looking to middle, he changes the footwork. And when he's looking to the left, he, he changes it like that. That's the correct way. You don't go from this and then throw across your body. You're asking for an interception. You really, really are. Hey, Aldo, can I call an audible here and talk a little bit about my homes on Sunday since I only have a few minutes left? Please do. All right. First off, they Ron Rivera was uh, originally allegedly quoted as saying that Rex was the mental midget after he went to San Diego after uh, uh, Lovey forced him out here as the DC, and that made me think about Mahomes on Sunday when Kansas City had the arrogance, the absolute sheer arrogance to snap that ball at the end of the first half with four or five seconds remaining, and of course Mahomes, who has at best, questionable situational awareness. I'm not going to say he's dumb, but he makes, I mean, he's just so arrogant. And he throws this screen pass that gets uh, to Tyreek Hill, and they don't even get a field goal. And his stupid ass was standing there calling for a timeout. You just wasted your last timeout, and you know there's no more timeouts. You don't kick. You just talked about it. We're going to throw a screen, and then I'm going to call for timeout. That should have been a flag. Right there. They should have been penalized on the first kickoff. You can't call for timeout when you don't have timeouts. That's a penalty. But anyway, that doesn't happen. The rest of the game, he's in the tank. But the reason I hate Kansas City's offense so much, and you said back to me, well, they they score 30 points a game. The reason I hate their offense is situationally. At the end of that game, they were lucky, lucky to make it to overtime. There was a situation It's like second and goal. Cincinnati's out of timeout. Cincinnati's up by three. At this point, if I'm the Bengals, I'm like, man, I'm going to let them score so we can get the ball back. So just if you're KC, you run the ball. You knock out all the clock, and it works. Field goal. So what happens? On second down, they pass. Hmm. They're in a shotgun when they should be running. Guess what? Mahomes is sacked. They, they said they, they're in a shotgun on third down. Guess what? Mahomes is sacked. He fumbles. He should have lost the game there. Thankfully, their their linemen recovered for them. They kicked the field goal. Whew. They get to overtime. Mahomes throws an interception. Oh, it's dropped. Oh, that's two times he's lost the game. And then guess what? He throws another interception because of just this massive ego 
that this man has. And he's just like Brett Favre. I've said so many times, when he's not with the stacked team, he is going to throw 30 interceptions a game. That is my opinion. He He's great with a great team. But, man, did he go in the tank after they lost that set of downs there at the end of the first half. And for him to, to call timeout, like, dude, where's your head at? Mm. Do you think it's so ego? conceited, man? I just I well, love seeing him lose. I'm going for Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. I because they beat this fuck. Yeah, I wondered. Like, do you think it's ego, or do you think he just trusts his arm too much? Which I guess would kind I, of I feed into the arrogant. ego thing. But like, I just I think especially, and it's and you and you know I'm sure you could go as far to say that the worst thing that could have maybe happened to Mahomes. It sounds weird saying the worst thing that could have happened to Mahomes is he won the quarter, he won the Super Bowl in year two, right? His first year as a starter. So like the worst you can you can do and and at a lot of levels in a lot of games is have instant success, right? Because then it's 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 kind of all downhill from there. So you wonder does Mahomes. It's maybe ego. I mean, he's fucking talented. The dude's a stud. Oh, yeah, like, I won't take away his talent. But do you think it's more he thinks he knows what he's doing and he and he trusts that every more or less everything's gonna work out? Um, I think I think like I said, the I think more than ego, and I and I could be wrong, and I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I think he trusts his arm too much, and I think he kind of if you want to even say maybe believes his own hype, he's like, I could probably do whatever and i don't know if it's ego but he thinks as much as he gets blown up for all the miraculous things that he does do i think he leans on that too much and makes bad decisions it's me again oh god is that what i sound like oh god you sound wonderful i think it's gone now right yeah you're good so I want to I want to make sure I get this in before you leave. I'm still hearing the echo. Yeah, I am too. I'm not. That's weird. Hold on a second. All right, now it's gone. Okay, so I I just want to get this in because Dan really, really, really hates Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those are his words. I really hate this fuck. You know, He's so. going to throw 30 interceptions in a season. You mark my words. Well, and, and you might be right. If he does not, you know, settle down and, and do the things that he is being told to, he does have a tendency to get reckless. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But athletically, like Aaron says, this guy is amazing. He is I, w- I won't take that away from you. You're right. And, and you know, First year as a starter wins a Super Bowl. Second year as a starter loses the Super Bowl game. Third year as a starter loses the AFC Championship game. And he let, let me interrupt because he lost the AFC title game his first year as starter. He lost to the Patriots and then won the Super Bowl in his second year as a starter. No, he wasn't. That was Alex Smith. That was yeah. Alex Smith. no. He, he lost. Start. Patrick Mahomes lost the title game to New England in the 2018 season. In 2018, Alex Smith broke his leg as a member of the Washington Redskins. On November um, the 18th, the same the day commanders now, broke the his leg in 1985. Okay. I'll bet you 50 bucks right now. I'll no. PayPal no. you. No, I'm not going to challenge your memory, Dan. Exactly. <laughs> I'll challenge anybody else's stupid. <laughs> if you tell me that, I'm like, okay, you could lie to me and know you're lying. I'm like, oh, no, he's right. It's, That's it's right. Dan. Of course he did. That's right. I swear. I wasn't Patriots fucking that woman in our bed, honey. <laughs> I swear to you that Mahomes lost the AFC title game to New England in 18. He won the Super Bowl in 19. He lost. The Super Bowl in 20, and he lost the title game in 21. He's played in four straight AFC Championship games. 
Okay, well, if you lost the AFC game like you're saying, we can blame that on Nagy, too, because he was calling the plays at that point, wasn't he? No, Nagy was with us in 18. He was coaching. Oh, you're correct. You're correct. That's right. Um, okay, so you're right, Dan. There's no, that's indisputable. But I, my point is still this: Patrick Mahomes is a very special quarterback, and he yes, is. when he came out of college, that was the knock on him: is that uh, from a technical standpoint, he was not doing the right things. You know, throwing off balance, throwing off with his feet going here and there, and so forth. And that he was reckless. Those were the knocks on him, and which is why he was not the first quarterback chosen in that draft. That the people were cautious. But the Chiefs saw what I saw is that this guy is magic. He's like a Brett Favre guy. He he's he's truly magical. But my contention with you, Dan, is that sometimes I think it's more because you're jealous or envious that the broad national broadcasters are speaking so highly of him that that's behind your disgust with him. Right. I agree. I'm there with you, Dan, dude. I am. I don't dispute what you're saying to me at all. (laughs) It's not that it's not jealousy. It does add to my vitriol because if imagine if that would have been Mitchell Trubisky or another quarterback that hadn't reached that level that made that decision on Sunday to throw a screen pass with no timeouts mm-hmm. left and then to call for a timeout. If any other player would have made that other than Brady or Rodgers, he'd have been crucified for that, for just that horrible situational awareness to waste that ability to score and then to think you have a timeout. And he gets a complete and utter pass for that. And then in the second half, he played like shit after that. And and like I said, he, four, he almost had three turnovers he should have had three turnovers, ended up being the game losing interception. To me, that's who he is when when Kansas City's going to get affected because he's got like a $700 million contract. When they have to start losing all these other players and he's on an average team, he's going to look like Brett Favre in 2005 with Green Bay throwing like, you know, 20 touchdowns and 32 interceptions. I got to tell you, um, <laughs> Dan wants to fight Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> no, I imagine any other quarterback, though. You please, uh, my question. I think it's fair that fourth or third down there with five seconds to go, and you snap it, mm-hmm. and you throw a screen, and you you know you got to throw it in the end zone. He throws a screen. Remember, we even mocked Brady. Yes. We mocked Tom Brady. Well, oh, Khalil Mack hit him so many times. He didn't know what down it was. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, and what? He calls for a timeout. Right. No timeouts. He has no idea where he is in the game right there because they're so – we're Kansas City. We're going to score. That's why I hate Kansas City's offense, too. Like, I brought up the two chances they should have run the ball to make sure Cincinnati didn't have any time left. But what are they doing? They're in a shotgun. Matt Nagy would have been so proud of those play calls. I can't stand that offense. I think you're making some really valid points there, Dan. I, 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 there's no, and this is all on Andy Reid. It's all on yes. Andy Reid. He, he's allowed that quarterback to make decisions that he should not be making. When he is saying, I want to go for a fourth down. Andy Reid should have said, "Come here, fucker, sit over here. We're gonna get the three points." They would have fucking. Well, it was actually third been... down, but he there's five seconds to go, mm-hmm. so you have to tell him, "Look, you can't take a sack. You have to throw it either out of the end zone or our guy catches it." Mm-hmm. We've got five seconds to go. There's no way he should have gone for. They should have kicked it. I agree. I agree. He should have kicked it. You don't have time. And then for him to throw a screen pass and then to try to call timeout. He was calling timeout. CBS showed that. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, if that would have been if that would have been Fields, oh my oh God, it would have been saying that he's a bust. He has no idea what bust he's doing out Fields, there, right? If that had been Jimmy Garoppolo, I mentioned I got to go in a second, but I also wanted to mention that irony, and, and you agreed with me. Imagine just for a second, guys, and I, I don't mean to take up time, but I got to go. It's okay. But imagine in the NFC Championship game for just a moment, Jimmy Garoppolo leads San Francisco to a victory. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at Jimmy and you're saying, hey, we've gone to the Super Bowl two out of the last three years, and maybe you beat Cincinnati. Now you're talking about a Super Bowl champion. They're going to have to pay him, mm-hmm. they're going to have to keep him. There's no way around that. And now, you go from the rest of your life being the guy that's gone to two Super Bowls in the last three years, maybe a victory, and now you're going to be a journeyman. You throw that interception, you're done. You're fucking done. His whole livelihood, it's like a Twilight Zone episode, has switched on one play. On one play, it's going to send him to Jacksonville or wherever else, not Jacksonville, but you get the point. He's going to be in another team where he's just an average guy. He's going to bounce around now. And his future could have been made, but on that one interception, he lost it all. That is a great story. Absolutely. Absolutely great story. By the way, the latest on Garoppolo is that he and the 49ers have agreed that he and his agent will try to work out a trade. Uh, He's gone. Trey Lance is their starter next year. No way around. Absolutely. Is he worth a shit, though? Has he played at all, Trey Lance? It doesn't matter. Jimmy's gone. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of quarterback changes this year. It's gonna be crazy to watch. Oh my gosh, you ain't kidding, Aaron. I mean, this uh, if Jay Cutler still has an arm, he may want to try to <laughs> make a comeback, <laughs> right? Such, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers retires, I mean, Brady and Rodgers gone a, a year after Rivers is gone, there's gonna be a Darth. I don't know, I, I always use the and word, Darth. I'm not sure I use it correctly. And who, Aaron Breeze and Breeze. I mean, what the fuck is going on in the NFL? We're losing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's uh, unbelievable. It's about time, man. Breeze was in there in in 2001. Mm-hmm. Ben's been there since 04. Rivers was there in 04. Uh, Brady, 2000. Yeah, so eventually, eventually time catches up to you. And I heard Brady say after the, the game to the Rams, I still thought, oh, he'll be back. Mm-hmm. But after he took that chin shot and he was bleeding, he said something afterwards, like, it's not fair for my family to see me take these hits. And it hurts more now than I ever thought it would have mm-hmm. on my body. It made Kurt Warner said something very similar after the Saints no had the bounty on him. As we know, they got penalized draft picks. Yeah, they were intentionally trying to hurt him. But Brenda Warner was at that game and saw him taking those hits. And his wife basically said, you know, fuck, man, we got kids in a family. This isn't fair to us. Yeah. Brady echoed that. So yeah. I was like, man, is he really punished? And then a few days later, we get the story that he's retired. And yeah. mm-hmm. maybe he's not retired, whatever. But still, he said comments similar to Kurt. No, he did officially today retire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Yeah, he did put yeah. the statement out. And that was weird, too, because it's like everyone's like, he retired. And then of and it came yeah, out. He's like, oh, well, he hasn't okay. told the team that he retired, but no, officially he put something no, on it's Instagram. official. It's official. Yeah. 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 Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Here's the other thing is, do you still hear an echo? I do. Not at the moment. No, huh? Okay. Um, here's the other thing is, fuck, I forgot my point is that, um, Tom Brady, 
he's at a point in his career where his family needs him. And he has, he, he has told his wife, Hey, you know, I, you know, I put your career on hold. This is my time. And so now the, the table is reversed. And so I think that's a good thing. And I, I don't want to see the guy take any, any more punishment. The, the NFL mm-hmm. does have a problem, which is, you know, they got to protect these players because it's come down to the point, the same thing that's happened with professional boxing, where we've seen guys who are punch drunk and we wonder, wow, should we be cheering? You know, look at Muhammad Ali, what happened to him and so forth. So some of these safety precautions, as much as I hate to see some of the violence be eliminated from the game, it's probably a good idea for the safety of, of the superstar. Yeah, but the safety precautions only apply to the veteran quarterbacks. You saw <laughs> Justin Fields get fucked up last year. How many times taking shots that should never have happened and there's no fucking flags? Well, even with Jay Cutler, right? Yeah, I mean, you saw Jay right. Cutler yeah. get m- 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 annihilated. Yeah. And now Sue, Sue used yeah. to fucking kill him, man. Yeah. Dude, he used to get exactly. wrecked. But that's the thing, too. I mean, how many people it's like... I can't remember because it was a lot. It may have even been here on the bar. I might remember somebody said something about, and although I think it was you that said something about, yeah, the, the Vikings are going to take shots at Fields if he plays the last game because they saw that they can do it in the previous game. Like mm-hmm. he took some nasty fucking shots out of line shots that were like, no, like if, if they, they would have hung a defensive player if they did that on the fucking Rogers or Brady or somebody established. Like Absolutely. That. They would have changed a rule. They would have, they would have fined him and fired him. They would have met him outside the locker room. Like it's, it's just, it's different, which I mean, pay your dues. I get it. But like it, those rules that everybody, you know, everybody gets so upset about do not apply to certain players and certain teams. Yep. Indeed, Laro's reminding us of the Giants game where Cutler was basically sacked every play nine times, I believe, in the first half. Yeah, it's similar to uh, Joe Burrow against Tennessee. Hey, I got to go now, guys. I want to say I'm sorry I took up too much, Mike. Hopefully, hey, Aaron, maybe you can come back next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. My question, and I'm sorry to take Tucci's time too. Are we going to be on, uh, maybe we can talk about off air, but are we going to be on Monday next week? What is Monday? Oh, um, let me get back. We were talking about doing two shows and switching some days. Yeah, I think we have to keep it to the Tuesday right now, but uh, eventually we might be able to gravitate to Monday. But let's count on next week will be Tuesday. Are we still going to do two? I would like to, but I don't know if we can do Monday right now because I got to talk to the. But I mean, even if it's Tuesday and like Tuesday and Thursday or something like that, still. I would love to. So let's let's talk about that off air. Okay, very well, gentlemen. It's been my pleasure. I hope you have a great show when I'm gone, and I'm glad. Uh, every, uh, Aaron, like I said, come back next week. I will. And, and I will. I'll shut up. Yep, no, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank Go you. Later, Danny. Danny. See you guys. See yes, you sir. Danny. You all be well. He is Dan Aguirre, and you can find him on Twitter at BearsFan underscore Dan. He is not only a Chicago Bears savant with an incredible memory, but he's just a hell of a good guy. So um, we'll say goodbye to him, and let me get rid of this uh, terrible image of the top of my head. And now we are left with Tooch and Aaron and myself. Guys, let's talk for another half hour about what is going on with the Chicago Bears and anything else, really, that you guys want to talk about. I know you guys love to talk about what's going on in the streaming world. And if you've got any suggestions for us, I would love to hear. Because my 
wife and I are now empty nesters. And so we are, she's actually got me, okay, from this time to this time, we can watch this show. And from this yeah. time to this time, we go on. So I want to interject and say, no, 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 Tooch and Aaron said we should watch this show. So yeah. what do you guys have for me? <laughs> uh, Ozark season four. Oh, I love Ozark. So I, I, have- I had, it was a break, you know, there was a break. You know, in between season three, I've forgotten how good of a show it was. To be honest, yeah. I, yeah we, uh, Tooch and I texted. I, I, I can't. I just, I cannot get back into it after really? two full years of the hiatus. And I'm, I'm typically one that if it's a show it's so I love, good, as long as it's not season outrageous, four is excellent. I'll, I'll watch a season like if it's season three, I'll watch season one and two, or if it's season four, if it's good enough, a one, two, and three, and then, but. After a two-year break, I can't force myself to – I have to watch another three seasons just to get back into season four. That is there, always There's a nice problem. recap, though. There's, a, there's yeah. like a little yeah. thing you can watch but you know, to catch you back I up. I feel like Ozark is one you have to be invested in. Like you can watch the recap and like, yes, I understand, but I don't feel like I'm invested anymore after a two-year break. Sure. You, you have to have followed you know, the seasons. Right. You know, to know what's going on. But there is a nice little recap or whatever catch you up trailer to get you caught up back in mm-hmm. the season four is excellent, man. I've forgotten, like I said, I've forgotten how great the show is. That is one of the things about these serial uh, shows that um, is a detriment to them because if you are being informed in season two or three or four or five, whatever it is, this is a great show. You really need to catch up with it. And then you look at, oh, wow, shit, it's already 40 episodes in. I can't do that. Yeah. So I think they need to come up with a way of doing like a one-hour episode of what happened the last season or two seasons or three seasons to get you up. And – Hey, as a as a producer who, who has worked in the television broadcast field, I would love the challenge of hey, give me you know three seasons of The Sopranos and, and filter it down to to one hour. I'd love that challenge. I could tell that story really, really well. Yeah, I'd leave out some juicy stuff. But so I, I, my advice is to Hollywood producers is figure out a way to get people invested into a show that's been on the air for a long time, but people don't want to go back 30, 40 episodes to catch up with stuff. And and it's not a, you know, like Tooch, you're probably referring to a two or three minute capsule of what's happening. Exactly. That's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. Nope. Uh, This is the last season of Ozark. So it's split in half though, isn't it? It will be. Yeah. They did. They did broke it up seven episodes and seven episodes. I assume I, I tell you yeah. one thing. I am so impressed with uh, now. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, who's the lead actor and, and creator, director of some Jason of the, Bateman? Yeah, Jason Bateman. Yeah, he's excellent. I am so impressed with him as a filmmaker and as an yeah. actor. Of, I mean, this guy is very fucking talented. Did he create uh, the, the Outsider? One? Is that the yeah. one from HBO? Fuck, yeah, well, I love that show. Uh, God, uh, I fucking uh, love that one. Oh, yeah, that was great. The that was so King. good, dude. I love that show. Yep. I was, it was kind of a what are leading up to? Like, I, we've talked about it before. I'm a creature feature dude. I love monsters. I love sci fi. So, like, the, when I was like, there's going to be some fucking serial killer. And then the more they got in, I was like, hey, there might be something to this. And then, like, they did it. And the one that fucking got me was, like, episode four or five when the thing had the roar in the cave. And I was like, 
I am fully engorged. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for, dude. Like, Outsider was outstanding. I fucking loved that one. So Jason Bateman, I knew he was the actor. Good. I didn't know if he created it, though. Yeah, I think he was, you know, because it's based on a Stephen King novel. I think he was yeah. one of the creative uh, uh, leads in, in yeah, transforming dude. it to a TV series, which was outstanding. My wife and I would watch. Yeah, we, he directed we, the first episode, too, I think. The first two yeah, episodes. Yeah, the first two episodes, yeah. yeah. He, and that's another thing about Jason Bateman that I'm really uh, uh, an admiration for is not only is he a great actor, but he's a showrunner and a director. So this guy knows his stuff. He's he's really a talented kid. Kid, uh, he's probably 45. underrated. Jason Bateman movie Hancock. I know a lot of people. Will Smith. Yes, a lot of people didn't like like, and I fucking loved that movie. I thought that was so good. I really wanted more of those movies, actually, too. I yeah, it was me too. Turn on like the whole superhero thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm with you on that. I remember seeing it in the theater and being really impressed with the film, and was surprised that it got lukewarm reviews. Yeah. Uh, superhero it, stuff doesn't usually do super well. It's I, it is what it is. But like, but that one had such an interesting twist. Like it wasn't just here, super power person doing super power shit. It's like, oh, these, you know, it's uh, these these people. They're like, you know, he's Will Smith had the lines like, we used to think of us as gods or or as angels, and we started dying out because we started coupling up together, and like and like it. that was so cool. For, I, I really enjoyed that one. Love it, and and yeah, and Will Smith. I, I remember when I saw his first music videos, I said to my wife at the time, my second wife I said, this guy's going to be a star. This guy, the camera loves him, the way he moves and so forth. This guy is going to be a star. And then Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and movies and so forth. And I was so shocked that Hancock was not a big, big, big blockbuster. Mm -hmm. hit. I, I was really enthralled with it by that movie. I was too. I've watched it. I don't even know how many times, but I really enjoyed it and watched it a ton of times. Yeah, see, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, Aaron, you said you love uh, creature films, monster movies, and so forth. What are some of your favorites? Well, you know, uh, some uh, entertainment news. So my favorite, actually, it might even be my favorite movie. I love Godzilla. I'm a fucking diehard Godzilla fan. Um, cool. From the first, uh, the remakes, the, the most recent ones and it actually just came out and i fucking hate it because i've told two to thousand times i'm not getting apple tv i'm not getting paramount plus <laughs> just found out apple tv is doing a live action godzilla series so like from the movies like that godzilla is going to be in a fucking series from apple tv so okay I, now i have to i have to get it because I'm, I'm a total kai get apple tv for free with the purchase of any apple device though i'm not oh, really? year, man yeah one year Samsung's. of apple tv no i uh yeah, I'm a total with the Japanese word for giant monsters, kaiju. I'm anything kaiju wise. I'm I'm a huge. If you've seen Pacific Rim, they call those monsters kaiju. Yeah. So anything kaiju, that. dude. Um, although one of the last times we talked, I talked to you about a movie called A Howl Beyond the Fog. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if you ever actually saw that one or not. I've not it's, seen it. It's a stop motion. It's fairly. I don't. I don't think it's very long, and it's like I don't think I talked to you about it. It was like it's puppets. And I didn't know his puppets from the first time I watched it. And I was super turned off. And I gave it a chance. And I the detail they put into it, I was I was so into it. I've watched it actually four or five times since. Yeah, I have it so, on the list somewhere. I'm definitely going to watch that. Uh, yeah. The Factors asked, what are some good mystery suspense movies? I loved Shutter Islands as a factor. Um, 
Tooch, you you're a big mystery suspense movie. Was guy. Does Shutter Island Guillermo del Toro or no? That no, that was Martin Scorsese uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, excellent, excellent film. Yeah, it's uh, I don't. It's almost difficult to describe because you you you. It, it's it's easy to see what the secret yeah. is. Yeah, I've I've seen it. That was that was one of those things where it's like it's, and I I like you've talked about Tush and I watch a ton of shit, a lot, and that was one of those. Where I was like, oh fuck. So if if you could surprise me, it's I'm in. But like that that one for sure was was pretty crazy. Shutter Island is one of those films, and I hate to say this about a master director like Martin Scorsese, but he should have taken the scissors and cut about 10, 15 minutes out of that movie. It's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Any yeah. movie with Leo you can do that with, I think. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. I mean, it's a sensational film, and I recommend it for anyone, but yeah, be prepared. There may be 10 or 15 minutes where you, you're feeling like uh, – you know, Harry Cohen, the, the very famous uh, Hollywood producer, once said, if I start squirming in my seats, I'm going to go into the edit room and start cutting some scenes out yeah. of it. And, and I've, I've re I remember reading that as a kid and always remembering it. And, and when I watched Shutter Island in the movie theater, I was kind of squirming in my seat a little bit. Come on, let's move this thing along. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but like hey, uh, Laro, Laro asked questions. How do you guys feel about the Fresh Prince remake? I just know. saw a trailer for it and it's not what it was. It seems like it's pretty God damn it. It's it's not it doesn't look fun. Let me put it that way. The old French Prince was fun, looked like it was full of laughs. This looks mm -hmm. like it's full of like burden and like responsibility. If you look up a trailer oh. quick, it's 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 one of those I mean obviously race plays a part it's definitely going to play a bigger part in this version than it did in the will smith version mm -hmm. um but if if you're if you remember the old one and we're fond of the old one i don't think don't go into the new one expecting anything from the old one it's mm -hmm. it's definitely not that it's not that at all mm, interesting by the way one of the things that dan and i were going to talk about tonight but we'll table it to uh next week is the new showtime documentary on um uh, Bill Cosby. We need to talk about Bill Cosby. Uh, and I highly, highly recommend it. And it is from the, uh, I, I, I think it's accurate for me to say that this is a documentary from a black person's perspective. Uh, Camille Bell, who has done documentaries for CNN, he's a stand-up comic. He did a show for, I think it was FX, uh, a, a, a comedic show and so forth, but he's he's a very deep thinker. And it's a four-part uh, series on Bill Cosby and all of the allegations against him and all these women that have come forward. And it's really well done because this guy, I mean, I grew up with Bill Cosby. I had, it wasn't mine, actually. It was my uncle's comedy album about Bill, Co uh, 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 a Bill Cosby comedy album. And he's had the funniest uh, bits about when he was a football player at Temple and having to play Hofstra and the Hofstra players were so goddamn big that they brought in a minister to issue last rights to the Temple players because they knew they were going to get killed and you know, that's how I grew up with Bill Cosby he was a star on I Spy and here's a black man being a star of a TV show first time ever and for 
people who weren't accustomed to seeing black people. And for black people, this guy was a hero. He sure. was a hero. But this documentary contends that this was a facade that he was putting up because deep down in his what he was doing in his personal life was drugging women and having sex with them because he had a fetish about having sex with unconscious women. And it's so devastating for people who looked at Bill Cosby as a star, as a hero, because all the things that he did for the black community gave millions of dollars to historically black colleges and so forth. But maybe that wasn't from his heart. It was just a way for him to hide the monster that he was. It's a very, very good document. Yeah. I just put something in the private chat and anybody who knew who feels like they need to laugh about the allegations. Cause it's some heavy shit. What happened? Right. Mm-hmm. If you if, if you ever heard of the comedian, Jim Jeffries, he's got a bit yeah. in one of his standup specials about Bill Cosby. It fucking slays. Mm. So I just put in the chat for two channel. If not anybody else, YouTube, Jim Jeffries, Bill Cosby, it's, it's two parts, but Jesus Christ, it's so bad, but it's so funny. I got to check that out. Yeah. Uh, I just put it in the private chat for you too. But yeah. uh, it's, it's, I don't think we're, I don't, we're not going to put it up here, obviously, but yeah, if, if anybody needs a laugh, go check that out. So Jim Jeffries, tell me a little bit about Jim Jeffries. Who is he? He don't know a whole lot about him. Um, he's an Australian. He comedian. Yeah. Australian. Um, okay. He's, uh, it, what a, you don't have to get in the whole cancel culture thing, but he's definitely one of those. He's not afraid to do his shit and put up his. Yeah. he, if he thinks he's going to be good material, he's going to put it out there. Cause he does some, I don't know if the word is raunchy, but he does some stuff that, you know, cause it's, it's cancelable these days. <laughs> okay. I don't know a whole lot about him. I remember this and, and, and the sign of a good comedian is there were some things in there that bothered me, whether it be from how I grew up or my political views or religious views, but it made me laugh. It was a little like, oh, I don't know if I could laugh at that, but he did it in a way that it made me, it made me laugh. You know, it's uh, the good comedian is going to, you know, co push those buttons. And it's, it's, you know, again, we're not going to get a hold of the cancel culture thing, but that's what comedy for me is. It's, it's this, it's a medium for people to speak their minds. They're supposed to push. They're supposed to, you know, obviously some of them can go too far depending on what you do with your material, but it's you know freedom of speech it's it's a free form entertainment i mean i don't remember who it was a comedian one of the comedians i follow god damn it who the fuck was it It was a bigger one he's like how many professions get paid to talk and you know it's and i can't remember he said other than like politicians and and it may have even been my favorite comedian bill burr um but he's like you're paying comedians to come out and talk Mm -hmm. um and it's it's one of those things too. It's like obviously there are some that are cancelable. There are a lot of people canceled real early, but Jim Jeffries is not afraid to go there. And and in a day where people are, because it cancels, it's I have mad respect for people like him who go out and do their shit. And they're like, this is my act. I'm gonna fucking do it. And it's gonna slay. I, I love that. Absolutely love that. You're absolutely right. I mean, comedians have a special place in American discourse because we have to give them a little bit of leeway to say things that we would not normally say in public or society Mm -hmm. because it is 
Now, the, the, I have to be careful how I say this because now that some of these comedians are on television, it, it changes things a little bit. I grew up in the, in the time where comedians were in private clubs where you paid your $10 entry fee with a two drink minimum and you listen to Lenny Bruce. That's about- the fuck. I was going to ask you who the name, I, I watched a documentary on him and I, I don't know a lot of his material, but that fucking drives me nuts what happened to him. Oh my gosh. And I highly recommend you watch the movie named Lenny directed by Bob Fosse. It stars Dustin Hoffman as Lenny Bruce. And it is such a well-told film. Highly, highly recommended. Um, So, you know, these guys and the whole Bill Cosby thing took off because it was a comedian that started making jokes about Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby was making fun of, of uh, not making fun, but chastising Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor for their uh, uh, humor and how they use the F words. And, 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 uh, and, and so he thought that it was just out of line. And so I'm forgetting the name of the comedian, somebody in the chat room, I'm, I'm sure will, uh, remind me but he he was videotaped by a a cell phone and he said fuck bill cosby do you know you know google uh, how many women he's raped and this video took off and then all of a sudden the conversation changed and bill cosby became a target of investigators and socially conscious people and bill cosby's cover about being Mr. Nice Guy and being America's daddy and so forth. And I and Dan and I have talked about this extensively via text. Dan was a huge, huge admirer and lover of Bill Cosby growing up, as many of us were. We watched the Cosby show. And we saw this family with the cute Lisa Bonet mm-hmm. and the smart, beautiful wife and so forth. And to learn that this guy was fucking women while they after he drugged them it's just devastating it's heartbreaking <laughs> don't google fuck bill cosby by the way for looking for who was the quote because i have <laughs> mom gets get banged by sons just it's all porn it's all <laughs> porn. I'm, I'm like looking for like somebody gave me this quote and it like it's like boom, 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 porn, porn, porn. <laughs> so if you're at work do not google this to find this out if you know let us know but do not google this if you're in a place that gets tracked now i have to disagree with four thousand clovers he says cosby wasn't funny he doesn't get it oh dude he was funny he was i mean i, I remember early one part of the first, first he may even be the first stand-up act that I remember mm-hmm. from my young from uh, when I was younger was a Bill Cosby thing. Um talking about OBKB is and I got that from there. He's talking about like babe, he's talking about I don't know if he's babysitting or he's like he's making breakfast for his kids and he gives his kids chocolate cake. He's like, it's got milk, it's got eggs, <laughs> it's got all this great shit. And the and the mom is is pissed and he's like, it's got <laughs> I remember I, I legitimately think my love of stand-up comedy came from Bill Cosby because that was yep. the first thing I saw before I saw anybody else. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you, Aaron. He, he was, I think, the first comedian that I ever listened to a uh, you know back in the 70s and 80s it was huge for comedians to come up with their comedy albums Steve Martin had one Richard Pryor had one and so forth and my uncles bought this album called and let me share it with you on the screen here called why is there air and he does a bit here let me 
play a, a little bit of audio of he played college. Again, like I mentioned earlier, he played college football for Temple, and they were playing against Hofstra, and these guys were so huge. Let's just at random here. Let's see what we got here. Was, was it Gettysburg? Yeah. yeah. They all beat us. They all killed us. Especially Hofstra. Hofstra beat us 900 or nothing. In the street clothes, man. They wiped us out. Besser wouldn't even play us. That's how bad we were, man. Get out of here. We don't even want you on our schedule. So I'm going to give you some insight as to what goes on in a loser's locker room. We are going to play against Hofstra, which is a really terrible school. They killed us every year, boy. And when you play for a team like Temple, you got nothing to do except pace up and down in the locker room and you say to yourself, boy, I sure do hope I don't get hurt. <laughs> I almost made a tackle last week. I must have been crazy out there. Nobody else is trying out there. I don't know why I got to be the one on the I play on the second team, which is actually the nuts. I could play all of that thing. It's really, really hilarious. And I, I'm like, I think I was like, eight or nine or 10 years old at the time i'm repeating these jokes and stuff and the whole hostess thing was you know because i anything with sports you know cartoons that had sports on them or comedy albums that had sports on them i was gravitated to it and when i saw this cover of of bill cosby talking about sports i was like i, I gotta listen to this and i did over and over and over again on vinyl by the way oh yeah um, i wish i still had that Oh, guys, this has been great. What else do you want to cover? And I'm willing to stay another half hour if you guys are up for it. Yeah. Um, Toots, you got anything? I mean, we could talk. I don't know if you want to talk press conference. It's a little late in the show if you want to talk Bears. But I, like I said, I can come back next week, too. I, I definitely reviewed the press conference quite a bit. If you had any notes or we could talk more entertainment, what's coming up, what you're watching kind of a deal. I got to talk about why people are writing off Justin Fields already. I mean, we have the data, think- not enough data. Any, and I need to mention my words here because I believe an individual from the show is on another show. Uh, somebody from the network is on another show saying that Justin Fields is a bust, right? My, my and, and I didn't want to call him out. <laughs> no, it's fine. Go ahead. He has forgot more about football than I will ever know. <laughs> but it's, I think anybody who says that a first year quarterback is a bust in any situation i just i I don't see the logic in that especially if it comes out that the coach did not is is notorious for not building around his quarterback um is the square peg in a round hole kind of a deal Mm -hmm. um i think it's way too i'm not saying justin fields is is even going to be the guy i don't know it's I, I do not see the logic in in calling him a bust. If anything, best case scenario for me is it's clean slate. You know what? We're back ground level, ground zero. Show me what you got, kid. We'll go forward from here. Um, but I'm not I'm not I can't I just don't see the logic in calling him a bust. I agree with you. And and he and I have uh debated that whole situation. I think he's being unfair to Justin Fields, you know. They, he is a big Mitchell Trubisky fan and, and wasn't that first when Trubisky he was born. after Mitch showed up to the press conference dressed like Ditka. Like that, was, that was the turning point for him. I remember that you specifically. Got it. So yep. he tends to judge players by the storyline and not by evaluating their actual play 
That's my opinion about Mike. And so I think, you know, and I think he over the years has been too harsh about Jay Cutler, too. I think that he doesn't account for the fact that Jay didn't have a good offensive line for most or any of his years here with Chicago. And for the majority of his years until Tressman arrived, he didn't have a reliable number one wide receiver. So there were, those are uh, circumstances that you have to take into account when you're evaluating Jay Cutler. Yeah. I think he's making the same mistake with uh, Justin Fields. And so, you know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like I said, that's, it's, it's for me, it's too early to tell um, for quarterbacks, you know, it's, you got to give them time, any player, you got to give them time, but, in a situation where, it, especially the more that comes out about Nagy, it's like, well, that just like that. He's just Nagy be- sabotaged Mitch, and he, the whole training camp was a total wank. He didn't give him any time with the starters. Justin Fields had to build chemistry on the fly in a game plan that wasn't built for him, was not built to utilize his strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, that. Comment down below for the people not on YouTube. It's because guys like Dak threw 26 touchdowns and four interceptions his rookie year. Deshaun Watson threw 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions in seven games his rookie year. If you don't produce right away, people panic. Um, which can't have nice things. It's notorious for Chicago fans. Yeah. Um, it's, and rightfully so, because we have not had nice things. And then when we get nice things, we're, I think we're super – we're super guarded because we're like, I don't want to fucking believe this nice thing because I know what's coming and I, and I've been here before. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get so, that too, but Andy Dalton played in eight games. Justin field played in 12. The rating for Justin Fields quarterback rating was 73 for Andy Dalton was 76. I mean, Andy Dalton's a veteran of how many years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Justin over- Field played 12 games. He was sacked 36 times. 36 times. Mm-hmm. He Ouch. had Matt Nagy as his head coach, who could who couldn't string together offensive plays or put his quarterback in a position to succeed. You know, it's a rookie season. Not every rookie comes out and lights it up. He had nothing around him. Allen mm-hmm. Robinson was there. If you want to call Justin Fields a bust, would you call David Montgomery a bust? Mm-hmm. He only had 849 yards rushing. You know, is that a bust season? I mean, Troy Aikman was one in 15 his rookie year. You know, I mean, it, it, let's wait and see. How much? <laughs> and I got to wonder with what came out about Mitch, is Mitch, you know, came out and, and there's reports that he was saying this isn't working and was more or less told, trust the process. Do you, I wonder if that happened with Fields where he piped up. It's like, this isn't working. And they're like, Fucking you know what? We, we know what we're doing. Just keep doing what we're doing. Like, great point. I, I wonder how much of that ha- has happened with, with Justin Fields. Cause you know, the kid's smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's out there getting his ass kicked, but, and he's, the, they didn't build a plan around him. So, and it's tough cause he seems like a respectful dude. So I don't know if he, if he'd say anything, but I have to feel like at some point he said something to somebody. He's like, this isn't working. Um, I don't know, you know, we can try something else. And I, I gotta think that he was told the same thing. I feel like Nagy would, anybody would be like, you know what? We know what we're doing. We just, just keep doing it. It'll work out. It'll just be fine. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's that's what that's the feeling I get from the whole thing. I'm with you 100%. You know, uh, I played this during the Mike North Advantage show this morning. Josh McDaniel, when he was at the introductory press conference, he's the new head coach of the of the Raiders. He, uh, you know, I've never been a Josh McDaniel fan because of what he did in Denver, and then he agrees to be the head coach at Indianapolis. He just and then he reneges on his handshake agreement. This is, just sounds like a guy that's an idiot and has no responsibility. But when he said this, all of a sudden my praise, my admiration for him shot up. When I went to Denver, um, you know, I, I, I knew a little bit of football. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really know people uh, and how important that aspect um, of, of this process and maintaining the culture and building the team uh, was. And... Um, and I, and I failed and I didn't, you know, I didn't succeed at it. Exactly. I read that today actually too. I knew exactly where we were going with that as soon as you brought the clip. You know, so I kind of, I kind of would have liked to see him here, you know, just, you know, as a guy that, that you think, you know, well, okay, this you, is a guy my that do good in second go around. Fields fan. Like they exactly, want to New England. You, I, Aaron, I, uh, Jay, uh, Justin Fields fan. Yeah, yeah. I Really, as soon as it opened up, I was like, God, I'd like to have him in Chicago because he was they they were in love. But my understanding was they were in love with Justin Fields in the draft. They wanted him, but they ended up with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. If Eberflus, uh, holds players accountable. You know, he's got the didn't Lo- Lovey Smith and them had the same kind of loafs. You know, yeah, yeah. Eberflus seems to have the loafs. You know, giving out a loaf. Well, they all got that from Rod Marinelli. So, okay, so that was Rod Marinelli. He brought that to Lovey, who brought right. you know, and 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 Eberflus learned under Rod Marinelli too. So, mm-hmm. makes sense. Mo Beerman, what do you say to fans like this? I'm getting to the point. I just don't care anymore. I don't blame care about you. what. <laughs> who was it? Who uh, there was an. Dude, I'm gonna have to look back in the fucking so, text chain. There's think, a uh, there's a word that somebody used in an article about Chicago. It was a French word, E N N U I. It was ennui. Ennui. It yeah. means uh, fuck. Yeah. I cannot remember. I'm gonna have to find it. Means it. You, you know, you're kind of uh, blasé about it means things. You don't a care. lack of interest. Yeah. Basically, like lack of interest due to lack of results or something along those lines. Yeah. Um. So it's I totally get it. I'm gonna have to find it. Real quick, you know, the, and while <laughs> you're doing that, let me just offer this real quickly. And Tooch, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to step on you here, but that's all right. You know, th- that's the the quandary that we have as fans. At what point do we just pull the plug and say, "I've had enough fucking joking"? Yeah. Eleven the, the, years of fucking. It's a great question, man. It's a great question. Feeling of listlessness <laughs> and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. Ah, there you go, more Beerman. So, your, your name now is Ennui. And no it nails ennui. it. I mean, it's 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 not holding my attention, and I'm not excited about it. I mean, I get it. Um, in fact, there was one of the beat writers, one of the national ones, after George's press conference this year, literally the, the, the title of the article was like, this is it. He's like, Bears fans, this is the time. Just stop. Just stop. It's like you've been proven time and time again that they do not care about you. You, you know, can't. How much attention can you give to a team that doesn't want to, you know, pay attention? Kind of a deal. Um, like I said, there was an actual article I read where they were telling Bears fans, just do yourself a favor, just stop. Um, apathy is perfect. Apathy yep. is is absolutely Apathetic. indifferent is a word I used multiple times this year. It's like I watched every game, but I was just kind of, eh, I'm not invested. 
Um, you know what I, 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 I said on the show what I did. I bet against the Bears and made money. That made me happier. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I could agree with Although did that. too. I, yeah, I bet the last year. I, you know, I, if I'm going to bet on something, I want to bet on something that I know really well. Well, the White Sox are on a winning streak. You know what? I'm going to bet on the White Sox to win. You know what? The Cubs are on a losing streak. You know what? I'm going to bet against the Cubs. And I'm a Chicago sports fan. I, I'm going to. When it comes to betting, I'm going to use the knowledge that I have on Chicago sports teams to my advantage. Tyler Gaines, the Gaines Report, you know, a beloved figure here at the barroom, he goes, hey, these athletes, this is what his father taught him. These athletes are making money whether they win or lose. Why shouldn't you? And I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start betting. Right. Yeah. I used to have the attitude that that – being a sports fan should be like being married and that it should be an unconditional love to my sports team. But as I get older and the fact that I realize I've been divorced twice, <laughs> and maybe it's time to just look at some other yeah. team. I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it's God. I mean, I, Believe me, there's been times where I'm like, why the fuck do I do this? And and exactly, Larry, it's just this. Yeah. If I had a dollar, and it's so weird, explain to my girlfriend why I can't just quit. Like she's like, I see what this says to you year after year. Why don't you just stop watching? I'm like, I just can't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The the season's over. You're kind of like you feel that ennui. Yeah, it's over. Okay, then you know. I felt that the whole year. Matt Nagy was fired. We got we got the dead cat bounce. And it's that well, even then, it's like as it was the, every article I read is from like Hogan Johnson, like, well, Chicago Bears fans got like four hours of happiness, and then George Murkowski came out yeah. and started talking. It's just like, yeah. fuck. like he just, you know, the the problem started at the top. It's you know, it's I, Matt, you know what, Matt Nagy's gone, great, <laughs> uh, Pace is gone, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a chance to get into the whole press conference, and I and the press conferences are it's a you know what to expect. They're gonna come out and the coach is gonna do some coach talk, and then the GM's gonna make a bunch of promises. It, it, um, it's a cycle. That you know, you, I, you, the season ends, we're out of it, and then you're like, uh, and then the then the draft starts to come around. You're like, oh, what if the Bears get this guy? Yeah, you know, oh, this guy would be great. Let's you know, then the draft comes, you got these new players, like, let's see what they look like in training camp. Then you're like, oh, you know, this the new coach is doing some cool things, you know, and then you'll be like, start watching. You'll be back right back into the season. The cycle, yeah. and it's, the cycle repeats. And it's not going to get better unless some miraculous you know, thing happens for us. Like, I expect a year of I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. Right. But they're going to have to earn. I'm going to be excited. I'm always going to support my team, but I'm, I'm never going to quit my team. But it's one of those like I'm going to have to wait to see what they do. And it sounds so crazy, but they're going to have to get me back by, by winning. Um, and that sucks because uh, the odds are it's not going to happen right away. Um, it could. It very well could. Maybe Eberflus brings in his coaching staff and they rock our fucking shit and they do an awesome job. But chances are statistically, well, fuck, Co- Nagy got us first year's, you know, first year awesome. So it's it's just, it's tough. I, I totally get where every struggling Bears fan, man, I get that. Right, Somebody right. ought to change that their their Twitter handle, the struggling bears. It takes two <laughs> years, two years to know whether a coach is gonna be, you know, pointing in the right direction. Yeah. That's what with, with Nagy. Like the first year, okay, 
you know, we yeah. had the, the the playoff season and the double doink and all that crap, and uh, and then the second season, you're just like, yeah, this is not working. Mm-hmm. You know, at least I did. I was like, I, yeah, saw, no, I was not. I wanted I didn't gone know. after the yeah. second season. And guys, I would love to get your opinion on this because I've been, since the bar room has been in existence, I've been complaining about the Chicago Bears is that they are always stuck in this situation where they're in between rebuilding yep. and retooling. What and, and that is just a fucked up place to be. You it's have, have to that, make though, a commitment. Well, how do you mean by, what do you mean, uh, uh, Touche? It's worse than that because... When uh, when they're presented with with someone who uh, who will tell them we need to bottom out completely, they they can't even do that. Correct. Exactly, and that's, that's how bad it is. Exactly, and that's my point. Exactly, you've got to make a commitment. We're going to fucking rebuild this thing from scratch, or we are going to figure out a way to take the existing assets that we have and become a winner. So at this point in the press conference, when Ryan Pose is asked, "Can you be competitive?" Absolutely do I think we can be competitive. And the beautiful, beautiful thing about football is what we just saw with the Bengals. Um, everyone, once the Super Bowl is played, goes back to 0-0 zero and, zero and has the ability to you know, improve their roster, make changes. We all know it's fluid on a yearly basis, so we're going to attack it. And our goal is always going to be in contention and, and win games. That's a fucking lie. You can't compare yourself to the Bengals. The Bengals had the number one overall draft pick, and they selected Joe Burrow. The following year, they had a top five draft pick, and they chose Jamar Chase. That is a totally different thing. You can't fucking compare yourself to the Bengals because the scenario is totally different. This team is has only, only $40 million cap, and I say only because they have only 28, 29, 30 players signed for next year. And so that money already is going to be necessary to just field uh, 90 guys in training camp. This this is a totally, totally different thing. And I would have had more confidence in Ryan Post if he would have said, you know what? Don't count on us being a competitor in year one. This is going to be a rebuild, yeah, yeah. and it's going to take at least two seasons. But I guarantee you here. this, that by my third year in here, we will be not only in the playoffs, but we will be contending for a Super Bowl championship. I would have felt so much better about it. For a first-time GM, though, you figure, you, and I, the fucking line, he came in and said, we're going to take the North Nick it back. I'm like, oh, why? Well, I mean, I get it. You have to have that bravado. That's why they hired you. You got, you got the fucking swinging dick to come in and you got, you're going to fix everything. But like, it's just that, for him to come in and I get the frustration where it's like, I don't, you know, just say it's, we're not going to be good. I'm not and it's entirely possible Wolf. that without the coaching staff completely assembled, I wonder if they don't know what they're going to do yet with, I mean, I'm sure they have a vision. They know what they want to do. They right. know what they want their team to be. <laughs> I believe they do. I do. Um, I'm I not mean, sure. But they, no, should, uh, they shouldn't have said that they're going to be competitive. No, 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 no. They shouldn't. That's a promise they they can't assure us. They keep it. They can't yeah. guarantee. But if for introductory press conference, you know the dude wanted to make waves. He wanted to make a statement. He wanted to establish himself. He sounds so like a kid. I, I don't blame him for saying what he did. 
Um, this is a guy that's going to be learning on the job like the last guy. That's good. Who was it? That's a 36-year-old kid that that sounds like a kid. Somebody, I can't remember what fucking podcast. It may have, I think, I want to say maybe it was Greg Gabriel. Eberflus uh, is 15 years older than Somebody Paul. said that McCaskey and the Bears like hiring first-year head coaches and first-year GMs because they're not going to challenge McCaskey. Uh, that was not Gabriel. I, I can assure you of that. Somebody um, told me that. Somebody said that because Ryan Pace, first-year GM, yeah. um, the GM before him was a first-year GM, I believe, as well. Um they like hiring these fresh faced people because they're going to come in and they're going to be, I don't know about yes, men, but they're not going to challenge the way that things are at Hallis hall. Because we saw with, was it um, the Colts coach or the GM that went to the Colts Ballard, Ballard. came in and said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to fucking cut Cutler. I'm going to do this. If you're going to give me the job. No, sir. He came in and he told them how it was going to be. They did not want that energy at Hallis hall, yeah, exactly. but you get some dude who's never fucking done it before. How about you come in and we can tell you what we want you to do because we're the bears organization. And, and as many times as we've seen over the fucking years, especially the last two press conferences with that son of a bitch, McCann, I'm sorry. Son of we, a bitch. We've, we've talked with, more about Everfluss than we have about polls, but because what Everfluss is, is a known commodity. The past is an unknown commodity. I didn't know anything about at, Ryan Poles. At the end of the year, came from McCaskey, and both times it was essentially shut up. We know what we're doing. Let us do our thing. And that's what they're disaster. doing with their hires. It has George, been a disaster. George McCaskey's press conferences have proven to be disasters. <sighs> disasters. So here's the thing. I, I didn't know anything about Ryan Poles. He wasn't a guy that I heard mentioned. I watched the press conference. I'm not impressed. It sounds like I don't a, know a, a young I'm guy who's going to. Uh, what I has he like done? The change. The thing with Ryan Poles is, yes, he stayed with the Chiefs his whole his whole career, but he's been under three different GMs, and all three of those GMs have had success, and I think won Super Bowls. Um, so he's learned, unlike. But Ryan he's Pace, not those GMs. He's not. But unlike Ryan Pace, who only was with, I think, one GM from his point of view as a Saints representative, where, where he was in the Saints, he learned under one person. Ryan Poles learned under three different people, and all of those three different GMs has had success. So I think he's got – he's unlike Ryan Pace, he's got different degrees of – things that he can do. He's seen multiple versions of success at a certain level under the GMs. Now he himself maybe hasn't done anything, but it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, I maybe we should have hired somebody for more experience. I I would have loved it. I, I don't agree that there's nothing to be excited about. I think there might be something to be excited about. If you're not excited, I don't blame you. I'm not super excited either. The Ryan, Pol- Ryan Pohl's press conference to me was so low energy. But you know what? <laughs> Unlike Ryan Pace, I feel like Ryan Pohl's was talking to you. There's Ryan Pace and he's going to talk and he's going to have his thing. Okay, now we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And here's what we're going to do. In the beginning of the press conference with Ryan Pohl's, and I've got it in my notes, Ryan Pohl's showed emotions. He was happy to be there. He's He's got a plan. Well, he's got well, a vision. I'd be happy if I was making a million bucks a year. Yeah, too. no, absolutely. And I, I'm not saying Ryan Poles is the answer. And yeah. I'm not saying he's going to do a job, but it's it's the change that I feel different with even just the press yeah. conference on how they talked. 
and not everyone's you know excited what? because Nagy and Pace are gone. I get that, you know. I'm not. Ryan Poles sounded like a nervous kid because he is a nervous kid. He's 36 yeah. years old. But I, I felt why, like Ryan why do, why are we hiring these guys who are, have no experience? I just in the told GM you role? because McCaskey doesn't want somebody who's going to fucking challenge him. I I don't know that Ryan Poles is going to work out. But everything I heard from him and and the things that I saw from him, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm not going to I'm not going to count him out yet. I'm not going to count him out this quick. We have a lot of of attraction to do. So in the press conference, they talked about, you know, how did you know Abel Bruce was a guy? The one fucking thing that I've got notes on. Um, so in the press conference, Mark Potash asked a question. And then Polis answered the question. Potash had a follow-up question. If you were given the opportunity for an expansive search, would you have done it? Polis shut that shit down. He's like, I was given the opportunity for an expansive search. This was my guy. And that I watched multiple times and I wrote that down because he was, this is, and the attitude that he had, he's like, I was given an opportunity to have multiple search. This was my pick. Like, so he, you know, there's, there's a lot of people thinking that he was forced into that pick and that he made it very clear. That was a genuine reaction from him is, is Ryan Pulse did want Matt Abrams because he thought that was the right guy. And, and all the reports coming out too, was like, I, I, I mean, Tooch, I wasn't excited about Pulse either, man. I wasn't. And then I was like, oh, by the way, Pulse came in. He said, if I'm taking this fucking job, the head coach is my decision. If not, I'll get on the fucking plane to Minneapolis and I'm going there tomorrow. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, he did. And I like Potsy. Uh, Potash has a lot. He fucking Potsy puts people to task too. But like when Ryan Poles had that press conference, we got personality. And it's so refreshing to have, I mean, okay, so Eber Flues, coach speak. I get it. But Brian Poles, like I said, from the first fucking thing, when McCaskey introduced him, he was thanking all the people that he thanked. He started crying. There was emotion. There was heart. It wasn't just this measured bullshit that you got from Pace, right? Pace is like, he just comes out and he says this and he'll talk like this. And you could count the fucking syllables in every sentence. And and Ryan Poles, you can feel that he's talking to you. He's a person. He's got ideas and he's and he's he's gonna be there. Is he gonna be the guy? I don't fucking know. But I, I'm I'm for sure willing to give him a chance. You know, I, I can't count him out. Well, we don't have any other choice. No, we don't. They're all, they're all gonna get chances. They're, they're all gonna both, get both chances. Would chances. you I understand? Would you rather but where we are now compared to where we were a year ago? I like he doesn't have the experience, no, but he's got where he's learned from where he's come from is a better situation than where pace came from and pace wasn't the best, but he sure as hell wasn't the worst. I mean, he did some good things and, and, and it's easy to bash on pace too, but I think, I think we just, we have to wait I, and I, see. I mean, I know that the, the, we have to give him a chance, you know, I think but, that's the best thing we can do. Uh, but I mean, it's, if you're not excited to bear experience, I get it. We've, we've been here how many fucking times I get it. I, I totally get it. And I'm not the most excited either. I just, I saw enough in the press conference and, and I encourage anybody like myself, go through it and watch it a second time. Tooch is looking the same way. I feel now who cares how real the guy is. I'm meaning to let us speak to What's he going to do? We'll have to wait and see, but it's, it's fourth left and close. We, we can't, 
we can't discount the guy because he hasn't done anything yet. We have to wait and see what he does. Yeah, as long as he doesn't get eaten up during the draft when he's trying to like trade picks or trade up or trade down or, you know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't do any of that. Maybe he just yeah. waits and gets his guys. I mean, that's, we're going to, I mean, again, we've, how many fucking years now have we screamed and pounded the table? We need offensive line help. Well, guess what? The dude was a Chicago Bears player, at least for a little <laughs> bit on the practice mm-hmm. squad as an offensive oh. lineman. <laughs> We're, we're going to give him a chance. You know, we, we yep. have no other choice. We're stuck with him. How but, many how many years is his contract? Guys, I he love did say. Right? They asked that question. I thought they was think, very interesting. Many, and they yeah, how many years balls and Eberflus is like, we're not talking about that. So I love yeah. this discussion. And I want to, I, I hope <laughs> you guys can stay and, and send me a, a message in the private chat if, if you need to jump off. Right. I know it's getting for the week. <laughs> I, I'm in my office right now. Work. For there work. you go. No, You're ready to go to work. You can go. I'm in the man cave, dude. I'm ready to work at fucking seven in the morning, which is awesome. seven, six and a half hours. But yeah, I'm good. Like, yep. I, I got the lights on. Hang on. Let me see if I can show I just, the people. I, I didn't know anything look about this Ryan. Guy's place. Hold on a yeah, second. Look at that. It's beautiful. Dude, look at this place. Jealous. This is fucking amazing. Lose that yeah. fucking. I'm going, uh, I'm going to go visit out there. I think I it can't is. even get Maybe like I summer. gotta move the door. There's more pictures on that oh, side. Fucking awesome like, is that? It's awesome. Yeah, I need to jealous. hire you to come and jealous. do my uh, man. I'd be fucking happy to. Yeah, that Jamming was. And it's funny because like, I just like how who is it? Somebody said the comment where it's like, how can I? You know, I can't do this anymore. It's like I can't not. Have you seen my fucking? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> keep, dude. I gotta keep going, man. I love it. <laughs> Jeez, that house, huh? No, it's yeah. not as uh, it's not as poor as House. It's a lot more welcoming than House Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to. Uh, Stephen Me uh, gave me. He says uh, first in this one that we have it up on the screen. We need a Joe Burrow. If Justin Fields is not on that level, then we are screwed. Dude, earlier than that, could be better than Burrow. Yeah, really. But early in that, uh, Steven says, we got a young first-time general manager who's African-American, and he hires a white coach that's never done it before. Blind Flores is so right. NFL is corrupt, racist mess. They hire minorities as token gesture. I'm not going to argue with any of that. But I do think... I don't think that's true. Well, I think that there is hiring bias sometimes we want to hang out or or work with people that we're more comfortable with and so it's kind of a hidden bias that a lot of people have when you're when you encounter encounter different people sometimes it's a little bit difficult for some people to open up the doors and say well maybe this african-american or asian-american or hispanic-american would be the best choice no, I'm going to rely on a white. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of thinking that happens uh, in the NFL. But if if every GM ever was a new GM, they didn't all fail because they were new. That's from Hair Bear. So correct me if I'm wrong. Did Poles interview fucking, I can't remember his name, uh, Caldwell. Uh, yes, he did. Uh, he was an African-American. He didn't think he was the guy for the job. Exactly. So. What, what I want to play here, and this was in the media sound bites, I want to play just this sound, uh, portion from Dan Bernstein's uh, WSCR score, uh, score show, uh, uh, Bernstein and Rahimi. He nailed it when this was the main reason Eberflus was selected. He's a football coach. They got another garden variety coachy coach, and they can win. 
But there's a reason why he got the job. And it's a word that you heard Mully and Haw use over and over and over again. George loved the discipline pitch. And it isn't just, you know, right place, right time. Or when I say be in a meeting, it means five minutes early. Otherwise, you're late and some of that stuff. Apparently, George, like a lot of us, was fed up with stupid penalties, with unsportsmanlike conduct, with taunting, with after-the-whistle stuff, with behavioral penalties that went unpunished. And this goes back a while. This gets back to Anthony Miller and Javon Wims and this year with Angelo Blackson and the, the Steelers game and so many what, what were viewed as avoidable penalties. And right or wrong, that is, that is a particular pet peeve of George McCaskey, the idea that the, the Bears players were somehow out of control or not understanding the moment or thinking of themselves more than they were what had to be done for the team. And, okay, because we can take that. The, the, the thing about discipline is you can take that and, and say, well, that has to do with every day when you show up of being prepared. It sounds great, and I know that it's a good pitch because everybody wants to think of their team as disciplined. Nobody wants to say, well, we're just a bunch of wild men out there unless you're, you know, the, the Jimmy Johnson's Miami teams or something like that that takes pride and maybe some of the Al Davis Raiders teams that were like that. But these are different times. The game's officiated very differently. And what it does is it fits very, very neatly in a classic sports trope of the pendulum swinging back that Matt Nagy was – more of a an affable younger players coach, and apparently that uh, George McCaskey and others want it to swing back in the other direction. I thought that was a yeah. brilliant nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, totally. I I, I love that. I, you know, I mean, so this is what I what I've always said about Matt but the evidence was there when when McCaskey at the initial press conference said at the very first game of the season we failed to touch down uh to touch a, a guy who a receiver who had caught a pass he gets up and and scores a touchdown and then game 17 the same thing happens it's you know he was referring to Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson that's discipline and so when Eberflus walks in and above Jim Caldwell or any other person that was interviewing, that's what he he talked about. Boom. You got the job, dude. I want a fucking disciplined team. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's that's what I'm get, getting at is that uh George was in these meetings, he's like, Oh, discipline, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, okay, George likes this guy. You know, hey, maybe we should hire this guy. George really thinks you know, this George is the owner of the team, and George, this and George. Well, that was what then, I was afraid of. Yeah, but you know? then Pulse came George. in and said that was his guy, though. So it's just like, what else is he? He's 36. You know, it's his first job as a GM. What else is he gonna say? But he made it independently, yeah. though. From what yeah. I understand, like I said, he had they're like, sure. here's you know, he and he hit okay. and, and the quote again. He had the choice, like, I had the chance to do an experience of search. This is my dude. Pulse made it very clear that. He, he interviewed last year for the GM position for multiple teams. And he yeah, said he wasn't ready. But he's the a 36-year-old kid with George McCaskey looming over him. But the whole time, 
Paul said that he knew what he wanted and he started looking for what he wanted at a head coach. I didn't know what I was looking for. I'm glad George was there in the room with me. But I believe that he said he knew what he was looking for the whole time. He's like, I know what I wanted a head coach and this guy was it. Well, what's he going to say? I wasn't sure about Eberflus, you know, but he sounded pretty good. So I hired him. Right. Why would you say that if he did Every guy who makes a hire is going to say this was my guy. They're not going to say this wasn't guy. my guy. But that's what I'm saying, because it is you know, their guy. The only, time, the only time a team has ever done that was Dave McGinnis and Dick Jaron, and it was the fucking Bears. Right. It was the but, fucking Bears because uh, they had to go with the Ryan fucking Pulse. second choice. No, I know. I know what you're saying, Aaron. Choice. It was his nobody first ever choice. says, you know, okay, let me give you an example. We're at, at my work. Every morning we have a status meeting. Nobody ever says we're in bad shape on this magazine. Dude. <laughs> of course not. Fuck. Right. Everybody says we're in great shape. The magazine's going great. Nobody is ever going to fucking say in the status meeting, hey, Jesus, I'm fucking fucking up this magazine. Sure. We're way behind fucking schedule. It's all my fucking fault. Mm. You know? Nobody says that. No, it's nobody does. The same thing. Okay, it's so answer me this. Are. Did you watch the press conference? Yes. So you watched it. So yes. the part where he says, where he shuts down, uh, fucking what's the guy's Mark name? Potash. Potash. Where yep. he shuts him down and said, no, I had the chance. This is my dude. You didn't. I'm not pessimistic. That. That's called being a realist. No, but you that's know, also I, pessimism. You're saying that anybody, everybody's going to say that the right thing, right? That's Which the truth. That's realism. Real. It, does, but, it doesn't matter anywhere you go in life. But like I said, Nobody's I watched gonna, this press conference twice. I, I absolutely believe that this was the dude's choice. Okay, I'm glad you believe him. Well, that's fine. But then, like I said, it's... But I don't know. Him, that's fine. I don't have know. enough evidence or data to go on. So Based on what I don't. Says, But it's different. I, well, the only, from, like the said, only I, evidence and data I have on is this is a 36-year-old kid who's in hmm. his first job ever as a GM, and he worked, he worked under some guys in Kansas City who had success. So because he's 36, you have less faith in what he does? Pretty sure well, there's a 36-year-old coach in the fucking Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Sean McFay's 36 years old. That's fine. Okay, yeah, but then you keep, you keep bringing it up. G- he's like, oh, 36, 36, right. 36. Uh, yeah, people who are 36 can have right, but We're talking talk about GM, not coach. But what's the difference? What's the age? The difference is one player deals with X's and O's. The other one's out into the good old boy network dealing with trades and, and From- everything. Is the head of football operations? Yeah, and PayPal. Who's in PayPal? Jesus Christ! And as a play, he used to be a player. He's been. He worked for a team that has had success under three different GMs that had multiple Super Bowls. Right? Like I get. I I know. I get where you're coming from. So you're like, he I, could have been. He could have been the guy that got coffee for a while under the under one of these. Could have been. Who fucking you know, knows? I don't many, know. I don't know anything people, about him. Right. But what I'm saying is, it's to discount you know? it because you keep bringing up his age. He's a 36 year old kid. And he looks 36. like a 36 year old kid. So, but you're saying you don't have, you don't know, you don't have any faith in what he's doing because of that. Like, if, if no, I don't have enough to, data. It I'm sounds like you're whether... coming back to his age over and over and over, 36 and, years old. And that's fine. Okay. Maybe he's a rising star. He didn't look like any rising star to me. I, I, How do you know what a rising star looks like, though? I don't. Right, but then why do you say it? He does look like a rising star to me, but you don't know how to identify a rising star. I don't right? know whether he's good or bad. That's all I'm saying. I don't have enough data. Right. He hasn't done anything. No, he because he any- just got the job. I know. He hasn't done anything before he got the job. And he hasn't done right. anything after he got the job. Say nobody knows. But we could have hired somebody who had a better track record. 
If they had a better with tracker, experience. why would they even be open to having a job? I don't know. I, I'm I'm saying this 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 is this sounds like a George McCaskey hire. Another young guy who's going to learn on the job. Yeah, yeah you know? another guy, another young guy who's going to listen to George and Ted influence him. When we're not really hiring a director, we were supposed to be hiring a director of football operations, weren't we? Someone that's in between. I love that that was ever on the table. We wanted that as fans. That's what we wanted, but I don't know that that's, that was ever that's, established. This is that what George and Ted said. We want someone to oversee the football operations. That well, the you GM know? who's oversee football operations and 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 was it answered directly to George, right? The GM is going to be open to it. So he's but but if he had like been, I have more faith in the kid because he's played. And like I said, I think at a certain point, I don't know if he ever actually made the actual roster, but he was on the, as a Bears team. In fact, in the in the uh, he proposed to his wife while he was on the Bears team. Super in little cool fact, off Navy Pier on a boat he rented. I made a point of noting that I thought that was super dope. There's a part we of have been like, talking on the show about separating George and Ted from the football operations, which has been a problem. Agreed. You know, and now we're hiring someone that's ultimately supposed to be that buffer between George and Ted and the football operations. Well, but to me, this isn't a hire that says that this is the guy who's going to oversee. Fo- he, now he's in charge of everything football. He's never done it before. So to me, this is more of the same. This is George and Ted hiring a guy. And, that, and that's I, th- I think that's exactly what Bernstein was trying to say, right? I mean, you got, we got the coachy coach saying coachy coach things, right? Is that no, what I Bern, agree Bernstein with that. said? I, mean, I wasn't very impressed with Ibrahim Foose. And, and I'm not even saying necessarily that I was impressed with polls, but I did like the things that polls had to say. I, 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 first of all, guys, I don't like or hate the guy. I'm just saying I don't know anything about him. Applaud. I don't have any data. That Applaud. was an outstanding debate between the two of you. I think both of you raised excellent points, and that's echoed by the comments in the chat room that I've been flashing up on the screen. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, you really are, you really should try to watch this show. Uh, on the video version YouTube, because the uh, input that we're getting from people in the chat yeah, room. Yeah, the chat's been great tonight, man. I'll oh, outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. You know, I got to say this, if I can add my opinion to what of you course. guys are talking about, is that there is plenty, plenty of reason to have this distrust and pessimism about yeah. George Hallis. I never what? said I don't have. I know. Answer the question. I'm optimistic yeah, with situation. Fine, and I, I, am not super optimistic either. Eleven years of futility for George McCaskey as the chairman, but I do think that there are certain things about what he desires in his GM and his coach that are good. That they are good. PJ says, I am concerned that our GM doesn't have experience. Ibrahim has never been head coach before, and we have an OC who has never called plays. PJ, they're, I am they're concerned all rising stars, it. though. They're all rising stars. I am stars. concerned about that, too. But you know what? It has worked in other organizations. And so it has failed, though, with the Chicago Bears. 
Phil Emery, Mark Tressman, yep. and so on. There's been plenty of examples with well, the head Fox coaches. Look at Fox. Fox made it to the Super two Super Bowls before he got here. So you exactly. want experience? Great. Experience doesn't always fucking pan out, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. My contention is that I hate to throw these guys under the bus. Poles and yep. Eberflus without giving them giving them a chance. I am skeptical of it. I am and I I, I I would advise every Chicago Bears fan to be skeptical of it. You yeah. know, more more a confidence higher, confident building hires would have been Harbaugh, you know, would have been, you know, guys who have had success in this league. Stephen Meese says, I'm with two. Ch- what is this blowjob? Dude, Fields could be better than Joe Burrow, dude. He could be. Oh, Absolutely. I love Fields. He could be. I, 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 I yeah, Stephen Me says I do. I, I'm with Tooch. I do want uh, go go back to that one now. Uh, Stephen Me, I I'm with Tooch. I do want to be positive about the hires, but it screams like we're got more of the same. But Caskey's yes man, who nothing will change yeah, till they yeah. sell the team or we find the Joe Burrow. Yeah. But I, I see, I agree with everything that Stephen Me said there, except the part about yes men. I do believe that for the most part. They the McCaskey and Phillips stay out of the football operation stuff after they've hired people. They want and us to believe that. And, sure and you real. may be right. And I, I, I hope we get down we get the truth on that situation because yeah, if it's if if it's not true, then to damnation every Chicago Bears employee who has said they have stayed out of it and every journalist who has advocated that opinion, they should go to hell because that's important. You can't can't lie to the public about something like that. That's so important. And Hub Arkish, who is a, you know, for many people, well-respected, he has opened that door saying, you know, we should, we should find out what exactly is going on with this Bears organization. Are they really interfering despite the fact they're saying no? I'd like to believe that they're not interfering and that Ryan Pace's mistakes all belong to him. But it's clear that John Fox was not his first choice. It's clear that there mm-hmm. are other instances where the McCaskey where George McCaskey and maybe the McCaskey family, however you want to put it, have interfered. And so that is troubling. You can't tell the public that we stay out of it and then they 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 get into it. You know, it's like it, it, I, I can come up with a million analogies, but yeah, they're all fucking wrong. All fucking wrong. I, well, here's the thing. Bill Polian, like we made fun of Bill Polian when he was hired to help us find the next GM or uh, what I thought was going to be a director of, of football operations to oversee everything football, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of like, why don't they just hire Bill Polian to do that? Well, because he's 80 years old, but I, I find it super hard to believe that Bill Polian, his first choice was Ryan Poles, a 36 year old kid with no experience to oversee football operations of the oldest franchise in the NFL. Such you 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 just hit a home run there, man. We need to talk to Bill Apollian and get his side of the story here. Was this really your number one yeah, suggestion? Yeah. 
to uh, I don't know. Yeah, that that's that's a, a really really important thing to find out. And, yeah, and I the hope... first thing first thing I thought was like Bill Poling is still alive. I didn't know he was still alive. I literally told somebody <laughs> that Bill <laughs> Poling was helping us with the search, and their exact reaction was <laughs> Bill Poling still alive. <laughs> maybe maybe he maybe he was just maybe he had a Biden moment. He forgot where he was. He's like polls. <laughs> I like polls. Is this yeah? Is that was that the guy we were talking about polls? Let's hire him. That is hilarious, but it's something, yeah, it's something that is really important to find out what is the main root cause? What is the stem of this dysfunction within the Chicago Bears? Is it because there's just been some unlucky, unfortunate decisions, you know, made by McCaskey and Ted Phillips, or is it because they do interfere and because they're really stupid at what they do? And they, they may have even overridden Bill Polian's best decisions. Yeah. Well, would you, I mean, I don't, I hesitate to call it interfering because it's probably more like meddling, you know, with like these soft suggestions, Yeah, you I know, like, Hey, I really like discipline. You know, it's like this Eberflus guy talks a lot about discipline. You know, it's like I just really liked his interview. You know, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Dayball came in here and he's so he was oh, Dayball. It's everything was true what they said about Dayball. You know, he's just can't interview. You know, whatever. You know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then and then the next day, Ryan Poles is like, boy, George really liked Eberflus. I got to make a good impression. I'm in my first job here. Eberflus, it is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I mean, awesome. hiring a, hiring a thirty six year old to be the executive. Again, you come back to the fucking age. Uh, but I know, I know. But we we're not. They hired a GM. They didn't hire a. This is my point. They hired a GM. They didn't hire a director of football operations, which is what we thought we were with what they Who's were supposed the to be hired. Though? That's why we it got was, Bill Polian to find someone to oversee every single. Football they, operations. They just the hired Chicago a guy Bears who's probably going to draft for them. Never said that they were looking for a football operations. Yes, yeah, they, they, they did not. They, Nobody from the organization or in the media ever said that Chicago's looking for a head of football operations. We yeah, wanted that. Yes, they, they did. Not and not in so many. And not in so many. Not not directly, but in so many terms. In so many terms, they did. They wanted to find someone to oversee the football side, and so that George, I don't know anything about football, McCaskey. You know, wouldn't have to be the director of football operations. That's what we thought. That was the impression we got from of this whole hire. Yeah, but George made it very clear that whoever it was was going to be answering to him. So he wanted to be involved at a certain at a certain right. Which is why, which is why I'm pessimistic because it's more of the same. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, we have no choice. We're fans. We give them the chance. Yeah, we'll see. He may draft the next star. You know, great. You know, Everflus may lead us to a ten and seven record next year. We're flirting with the playoffs. Yeah, fine. The ship is pointed in the right direction. You know, but until then, we have nothing to go. Right. Agreed. No. We have a we have a twenty. We have a a head coach who's never been a head coach whose defense was twenty ninth in the NFL over the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. I think seventeenth or nineteenth overall. Yeah, but it's not going to be his defense. He's not running the defense this year. Somebody else's. Right. I'm just saying this is what and I also getting. like compared to Nagy, Abraflus has been in the business for 30 fucking years. Different coaches mm-hmm. at different but levels. That's why I said Nagy I'm more excited about Abraflus than I am about Polls. Yeah. Fair enough. The Polls I know nothing about. He came out of nowhere, and I have my doubts that Bill Poland even knew who Polls was. I, I 
want to add that um, Trace Armstrong may be the de facto president agent, of wasn't he? Operations. The agent, bring that up. The agent for both Ryan Pohl and Ryan. asked that during the press conference. Yes, and so he may have manufactured this whole scenario. <laughs> for him, too. I mean, good for him. It, it probably George McCaskey has him in high esteem yep. and he made this happen. And yep. so yep. as Dave Wonstadt said in the media bites, uh, when Dave Wonstadt was on the, on WSCR, he said, you know what? He's probably the head of football operations, but he doesn't have to go to work seven days a week at Hallis Hall and work 60, 70 hours a week. But he's behind the scenes making his money at owning this, uh, co-owning this agency, and he's making things happen. And so if that's the case, fuck, we're, we're, we're in trouble <laughs> because we need a guy who is head of football operations yeah. who is accountable at the end yep. where you say, hey, Trace, you were the one that brought us these two losers, if indeed that's the case. And 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 Great the same point. thing was being said about Bill, Bill Polian. Why? Well, why not hire him as foot, uh, head of football operations if he's he's uh, uh, designing what is going on with the head coach and the general manager? Shouldn't he be accountable? Why are we going to pay him a million dollars and he gets walked away and nobody two years from now is blaming Bill Polian? Yeah, that was my can, that was my problem with Bill Polian from the start is he doesn't have any stake in success. And the organization, he he gave his advice. He's gonna get his check, and he's gonna fucking bounce. Like it, it doesn't yeah. matter to him whether we succeed or not. There's never Trace any got a commission on two hires. Yeah, there's there's never any accountability for people like Bill Polian who who give their you know two cents. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna tell you what we think we should do. Okay, here's my check back in Splitsville. That like, but nobody ever comes back to them. Fucking four years later, when the coach didn't work, so you remember Bill Polian that asshole gave us these sons of bitches like. <laughs> Yeah. There's Trace no kind of, that was the yeah, thing. as long as the blame never falls at George's yeah. feet, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, just, but well, the blame does fucking fall at George's it, feet. If they, they fail again, the then it'll be because hey, we hired good. another another GM yeah. who was inexperienced, right? And, and as yeah. we talked about at the beginning of the show, what the fuck is going on? While we can't learn how many years were these guys signed for? I don't care how much money. I really don't. Although. That would be important to know because you can kind of judge well, how much you're paying for this coach. Well, isn't that a lot less than you're paying the Green Bay? Then Green Bay is paying their coach and so forth. So that might have a, a fa an issue to do, you know, a, a factor in whether we're getting the best coaches. Because if you're not offering them market value, then what chance do you have of getting a good coach? But I'd also like to know how long do we have them signed for? Is it I would have liked to know them? that, yeah. Yeah, and the fact that George McCaskey yeah. doesn't want to share that information and uses the If it's a two-year contract for Ryan Poles, that tells a lot. Well, yeah. the, like I said, they asked Eberflus and Poles that, and, and Eberflus made it very clear. It's like, I'm not answering that question. We don't, we're not getting into that. So it's kind of – Why, right? Yeah. I'd like to know. I'd right? like to know that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I mean, he only signed a two-year contract. That way the Bears can – it's like a test drive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're taking the car for a test drive. Well, then you know? please let us know. Please please let us know. I mean, I, that's the one thing that irritates me about ownership with all sports teams. John, 
Aaron, me, Hair Bear, uh, Steven, everybody in the chat room, everybody that, that cheers for the Chicago Bears, guess what? We are stockholders. The, the, the Green Bay Packers fans get that designation because they pay whatever to get that, paper, which doesn't mean shit. But we are all of us fans. We're stockholders because we keep the organization afloat by buying our fucking Bears jerseys, by buying tickets, by watching on TV to boost the ratings, by buying all this merchandise that makes them money. That makes us stockholders. And we are we we. We deserve to know some of the inner workings, not all of them, but we deserve to know what it is we're paying for. We really do. Yeah. And a lot of business people, I've, I've presented this idea to other business people. Without fans, the team doesn't the, exist. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. Look at it from us, the consumer's point of view, and, and you will side with us. If you look at it from the ownership capitalistic point of view then then no you know but we deserve to know four thousand clover says nah we're not stock we're prisoners <laughs> i like that yeah. well, i like so, that someone in the chat chat asked if tooch was a bears fan i've been a, i've been a bears fan since 1974 i was six years old i started watching bears games my dad and my uncles you know, and I've seen enough to be jaded a little bit. Like Aldo, Aldo's probably you know, Hell, eight to uh, ten years ahead of me. I mean, I'm um, only 33, and I'm the same right. way. I'm like, I don't fucking know what to expect. I, I, I don't have any reason to think it's going to be any different than it has been. Yeah, I think I, that there are better days ahead. And I only say that because you guys are much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, final thought, guys, than gonna, you, yeah, that's true. You're what you're 10 years or eight years younger ten, than me, 10 years, ten, nine or 10 years younger, nine or 10 years. Well, you look 20 years younger than me, amigo. Um, all right, let's go around the horn, uh, around the horn, final thoughts, and then we'll pull the plug on this edition of Dan and Alder Bear Their Souls along with Tooch and Aaron. Uh, Tooch, why don't we begin with you? All right, well, uh. You know, I, I think I said on the show that uh, the Bengals are probably a year ahead of schedule, but that turned out to be they're right on schedule. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. And uh, you know, it was it was basically the same result as uh, the, the first time these two teams played. Kansas City jumped out to a you know a twenty-one three lead the first time, and it's, it was almost the exact same script. Like it was twenty-one ten at halftime, and. For whatever reason, uh, Kansas City just didn't score at all after that. You know, barely it didn't. No touchdowns after the de- Kansas uh, Cincinnati defense uh, underrated. I know someone in there was trashing the Cincinnati defense. They're they're a pretty good group uh, to keep uh, uh, Kansas City down in that second half. They they one hundred percent they made the adjustments to win that game. And then of course you had the uh, uh, Rams and 49ers. 49ers, of course, you know had beaten. Uh, the Rams twice, pretty hard to beat a team three times in one season. So my money was on the Rams in that one. I still, you know, I, I still kind of figured that uh, the 49ers would give them a tough time and they did, but it would come down to either a, a, a Jimmy Garoppolo mistake or a Matt Stafford mistake. And it turned out to be a Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. mistake with the mm-hmm. dumb pass at the yeah. end, uh, you know, and uh, uh that's uh, was pretty much ended the the 49ers season when and now you know of course I think it was talk in the chat room about all these quarterbacks moving around next year and that'll be exciting and it will be um but uh Cincinnati uh 
and Joe Burrow, boy, I mean, I, I kind of was down on Joe Burrow after seeing the Bears kind of. He looked terrible in that game. You know, I was like, but, you know, you got to you gotta remember he had a season-ending injury the year before. And uh, today with the season looks yeah, pretty damn he good. Real shitty and then real good. Didn't he throw yeah. like three interceptions and then like two touchdowns right after that? So he turned that shit around fast. Yeah, he's a player. Uh, I, I was a little biased, but I mean, uh, Jamar Chase uh, was a guy I love that was my my top receiver in the draft last year. And uh, I don't fault them at all for passing up the offensive lineman to take a, a talent like Jamar Chase because that guy can explode for two, three, maybe four touchdowns in a game. You know, that's what you mm-hmm. want. I wish, I wish the Bears had Jamar Chase, you know, yeah. or something like that. You know, we definitely need something like that. We, I mean, the Bears have so many needs. There's so many needs, offensive line, safety, wide receiver. You know, about the only place we're set at is running back, and, and I like to think yeah. quarterback. But, uh, you know, I mean, we need a we need a slot corner. You know, we need we need a, a nickel back in our slot mm-hmm. corner. We need a, we need a, a strong safety, you know, that that's uh, an enforcer back there. We got it strong up the middle on defense. You know, I, I think uh, in Eberflus's defense, uh, uh, what's his name, Roquan Smith, going to move to the outside. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need uh, you're going to need someone in the middle. You know, patrolling. But yeah, we need a real good, strong safety. Uh, I've been saying that for quite a while. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as Super Bowl predictions, man, I I don't want to put anything past Joe Burrow. Might be cooler than Matt Stafford under pressure. Well, well, well save your Super Bowl you know? prediction for next for week. Next week. <laughs> right, yeah. I will. I got well, time to think. The line is fishy right now. I still will take the Bengals plus the points, but let's see how the line moves. So far out to tell, yeah. yeah. Very yep. good. And by the way, Tooch, thanks for the uh, winners that you've uh, been texting me. I really appreciate that. Uh, make sure you follow John Santucci on Twitter. It is at John Santucci VIP. He has got a great show where he's handing out winners all the time. He will uh, text yeah. out some freebie, freebies to you. So if you want to make a few extra coins and uh, and you've got the money to spend, Follow John. He he does excellent work. Uh, and, any final uh, words there? Yeah, Aaron and I, uh, we uh, we have the stream team show, but we're looking for a new home. We're gonna we're gonna see if we could work with Dan and Aldo again. So oh. maybe it's something to think about. Uh, All right. Well, we, we Sarah Bars has has like too much on her work plate, and Megan O'Keefe also too much mm-hmm. on her work plate. Mm-hmm. So it would just be Aaron and I. We're like we'd love to work with Dan and Aldo again, or whoever Joe or. Even even the the uh, science fiction dudes, you know, once in a while. So absolutely, right. that would be outstanding. And by the way, I'm smiling only because not because of what you just suggested, but because I just got a text from Dan Aguirre. And I get these once in a while. A woman just said on nine one one, "I feel like my asshole was falling out." <laughs> So God bless that woman. I hope that she's yeah. Good luck. You know when I when when I didn't see the light bulb, I thought maybe Dan didn't get laid for a while. Yeah, I don't think he has. He's been he 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 bought some tickets to some event in Florida, so he's been working all these overtime hours to pay for that. So I think that ruined his sex life. (laughs) Anyways, Aaron, your final thoughts, please. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm right there with you. All the Bears fans, I get it. And like like I mentioned, I'm not the oldest dude. I'm only 33. And I, I even know at this point it, it's a shut up and wait. We'll have to wait and see what happens. 
um, like Dan's, like he's pointed out many times, it's a new regime. Nagy's gone. Pace is gone. We can rejoice about that. Whether going forward, these are the right dudes, that is that has yet to be seen. Um, I could tell you there are some things I liked out of the two of the people that I I liked this press conference from the new Matt and Ryan than I did any of the fucking press conferences from the old guys. Um, I'm right there with. You. I don't know what to expect. It's a bummer. I'm in, I'm in bummer town with you. Um, <laughs> we just have to wait and see. Um, it's going to be one of those. It's we just buckle up because it could be a shit show. I don't expect it to be very good, at least right now, but we could be surprised. Yeah. But at the same time, anybody who's like, should I quit this team? It's like, how much worse can it get? We're, we're already here. The one thing I love about Bears fans is, is, is we're in misery together. Like, you know, it's, it's, oh, exactly. I hate it, but we all have each other. So just hang in there and lean on each other. Maybe bright days are ahead. I don't know, but at least we got each other, I guess. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Perfectly said, Aaron. And this is the place to come to share your misery. And hopefully we'll have some good times ahead where we can celebrate together at least a division championship. Let's take that North and never give Amen. it back again. As, uh, as Ryan, Ryan Pohl said. said. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to let people know that tomorrow, Wednesday, which is actually uh, Central Time just started a minute ago, it is going to be Bardon Hockey at 2 p.m. The guys have an outstanding show planned for you, and it's just not hockey talk. They talk about Chicago sports. Sometimes they talk about their favorite tacos, their favorite beverages. They talk about pop culture. They're big Star Wars and Marvel fans and so forth. It's an outstanding sports and pop culture show. It is called Bardown, Bear, uh, excuse me, Bardown Talking Hockey at 2 p.m. Central right here in the bar, uh, on the Barroom uh, Network. And then we got a special show for you tomorrow night at 8 p.m. It is going to be Bear Special. I like to call it BSing. <laughs> and so um, we're going to talk to a number of people who are down at the Senior Bowl to get an idea of some of these prospects oh, that the Chicago yeah. Bears might be eyeing. Yeah, that's going to be really, nice. really cool. We're going to start the show with about a half hour, 45 minutes, talk about some of these Senior Bowl uh, players. Danny Shimon will join me to interview a couple of a guests that we'll having. And then after that, Patrick uh, Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times and J.J. Stankovitz, formerly of yeah, MVP. Play I miss J.J., dude. Oh, I really he is do. The best. Isn't he a great guy? And, I can't wait to have him back on. Yeah, very, very knowledgeable. So uh, well, I'll be talking to them for about a uh, half hour or so, and then Laro Golden and some other people will be joining me to talk more Bear stuff. We're going to have another great show just like this one was. I am so indebted to you guys. Johnny Santucci, Aaron Mc... How do I pronounce your Mikulski. last name? Mikulski, right? Sometimes I want to say Michalski. Everybody does. Not a big deal. I've, I've yeah. heard much worse pronunciations. It's all good. Yeah, think of McCall with McCall's magazine with a ski at the end. Oh, excellent. That's a good yeah, way to it. Uh, Aaron, you are uh, the absolute best. And so that's our programming for tomorrow on Wednesday. And we'll have more programming on Thursday. So I want to encourage you to hit that like button and subscribe to uh, our Barroom Network here on YouTube and also where you get your audio podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get them, we are there. And we've got tons of stuff coming, not only during the offseason for the Chicago Bears, but also for other Chicago sports teams. So, guys, 
Thanks again a lot for uh, what you do for us and, and being so supportive of the Barroom Network. And we will see you all soon. Take care, everybody.